and welcome to the Monday Night Scores, the wrestling podcast covering the epic battle for rating supremacy between WWF Raw and WCW Monday Nitro. We relive the war, skirmish by skirmish, to decide which show we think should have won the fight for viewing figures that week. We then reveal which show actually did take the gold in the Nielsen ratings, using our absolutely genuine golden envelope. But we'll start, as ever, by introducing ourselves. I am one of your hosts, my name is Steve, and I'm joined by the picker of Nits himself, Jim. How are you doing, Jim? Better than you were last week? I'm good, I'm good, sir, yeah. Blimey. Hold the phones. I, I, <laughs> unbelievable. Can you believe it? I, it's, are you sure? Are you feeling all right? Please, no yeah. complaints. No complaints from me this week. Sweet Jesus, what a start to the episode. And back once again with the Il Nino behaviour, it's the Spanish announce table's own Liam. All right, Liam. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> are you doing? Are you as cheery as the nit picker? Um, I've had a bit of a stressful week, to be honest. A stressful. Um, oh no! You picked up the nit picker's mantle. Oh god, I knew it was too no. going to be true. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we we've adopted a kitten, and it's uh, been up to all kinds of tomfoolery this week. So, <laughs> uh, apart, apart from going and missing for for a, a ten hour period, oh we've, my uh, god, it's started it's starting to rip to shreds anything it can get its claws on. So at the moment, <laughs> we've we've got a sofa that is. Reminiscent of a of a nineties WCW wrestler's torso, so <laughs> I'll, I'll let you decide which one I'm referring to. But that that that, that new sofa is going to be on the Christmas wish list, I think. So, oh, so all, all kind of shenanigans at the moment with this kitten. So I'm on I'm on pins. So amazing. Well, there we go. We've had a full role reversal. The lost Liam and the nitpicker have swapped gimmicks for for an episode. Fantastic. Can't wait to see how this is this is going to pan out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go all, I'll go all gooey over Genetti this week, Jim. If you want. <laughs> and before we do get into it, do not forget that you can follow us on Twitter. We're at TMN Scores. That's at TMN Scores. Well, the current Monday Night Scoreboard is poised at a Hollywood couldn't write it three apiece. So it's truly all to play for today. Whoa. Okay, Jim, I'll get right to it and place you in history with some cultural reference points before you kick off. Here we go. Let's set the scene. The date is the 6th of November, 1995. This week, the History Channel launched in the UK. It's made history itself there. Twisted Metal was released for the Sony PlayStation, a game in which players attempt to use their modified vehicle to destroy other competitors' vehicles as part of a competition arranged by the mysterious madman called Calypso. I'm sure we can expect that story to appear in Nitro in the not-too-distant. And American industrial metal pioneers Fear Factory released their classic album Demanufacture, including the song Piss Christ. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's the sound the nitpicker makes when he stubs his toe. Right now we know what we're binge watching before the age of box sets, what we're playing at home to recreate Nitro's monster truck off, and what we're listening to when we stub our toes. Let's see how Vince and Eric are gonna compete with that lot. There'll be millions of lawyers definitely not working pro bono, bizarre street performer-related Venice Beach promos, but no Takamichinokus. Let's get cracking. This week we start with Monday Night Raw and we kick off with a cheesy Hollywood trailer recap. It's Monday Night Recap, so how else would we start? We see Ahmed Johnson body slamming Yokozuna from last week. What the over-the-top voiceover describes as 
what legends are made of. The recap segues into this week on Raw, anything can happen in the WWF as we see Hunter Hearst Helmsley don some white gloves like a snooker referee to handle... <laughs> Henry O. Godwin's slop bucket. <laughs> Will the hog man get a taste of his own slop? It's like, Jesus, come on. I, it's, it's so bad already. The American-accented voiceover continues and find out what happens when the king brings his throne into the ring, he says. Right, it's not a throne. It's a plastic chair like you'd get <laughs> in some kind of like seminar. Just stop that now. Uh, <laughs> Upbeat generic metal with cheesy guitar noodling music hits as the titles play and we're off to the races. And it's not live. We're still in Brandon, Manitoba, fucking Canada. St- still in this fucking location. It's apparently because this show was taped on the 23rd of October as the last two were. But I'll stop me complaining there as we kick off tonight's proceedings with the British Bulldog making his way to the ring, accompanied by Jim Cornette, who's carrying his customary tennis racket, this time encased in a sparkly gold, red and pink Sleeve. Don't you call it? Sheath. Cover, maybe? Sheath. Cover. The cover's far better. Sheath. Sheath. <laughs> the iron sheath. That's what we'll go with. <laughs> and maybe it's because the Christmas films have all started appearing on Sky, but Cornette's get-up of cream slacks, a yellow tie, red shirt and a green blazer made me think he looked like a cross between like a tennis umpire and a Christmas elf. Why? Uh, I mean, I hate to, to, to pinpoint Cornette out because I do have a lot of admiration for the guy. But why does he have this cover on his tennis racket? Surely that that is more effective without without it on. Doesn't it slow it down? It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It, it slows it down and softens the blow. Yeah, yeah you're dead right. The logic is not Just there. don't get it. No. It, it looks good, though, and that's the point. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Jimmy C angrily gesticulates to pretty much every member of the crowd on his way to the squared circle. The lad doesn't even need a microphone to start building heat within 10 seconds. And the crowd responses are an absolutely cracking combination of some of them like loving to hate it and going like gleefully going, yeah, you bastard. And some of them taking it like really seriously, genuine shock and all, horrified by him. It's fantastic. We cut to ringside where our usual announced team of Vince McMahon and, oh no, Jerry Lawler's been replaced by Doc Hendricks. <laughs> he's wearing a suit and a shirt he's nicked from the Zabrodiak's gym bag. Yeah. the fuck is this? <laughs> Doc tells us that Jerry Lawler's in the back with his partner Isaac Yankum getting his teeth cleaned. Vince, with a smirk, the size of Yokozuna's jockstrap, follows up with his what? Oh, hey, Vince, there's kids watching here, mate. It goes straight over Doc's head and he confirms, yeah, he's, his teeth, he's getting his teeth cleaned. While Vince stares down the camera and directly into my fucking soul to make sure nobody at home could miss his gag that he was implying that something else was being cleaned by Yankum of Jerry Lawler's. Doc continues with his gag and says that he thinks that later on we'll see Bret Hart clean King's clock. Now that lot's out of the way, cheesy 80s drum machine beats hits to announce the arrival of the nitpicker's favourite neon-coloured pom-pom, Marty Gennetti. Come on, Marty. Jesus, this lad has put a shift in on the 23rd of October, by the way. He did the 20-man battle royal fiasco on the 23rd live episode. He beat Jobber de jour Joe Dorgan on the show broadcast on the 30th of October. And here he is again on the same night in the actuality to face the British Bulldog in this episode broadcast on the 6th of November. What a performer. The engine on a man. (laughs) (laughs) We get another stuttering frame rate to show it to recap, recap, this time to show why we've got this match. And we see Marty blindsiding the British Bulldog in what I clearly remember was a demonstrably xenophobic assault, reinforcing Genetti's heel status following his sexual assault surprise hug of Sonny. He then goes on to attack the hapless Cornette after the poor manager tries in desperation to defend himself with the only thing at hand, his small, cushioned-in-its-case, sorry, sheath, tennis racket. Well, it was more of a ping-pong bat, really, before, and this is, you know, pre-Watershed, so the next bit was cut off from this 
this recap, but the multicoloured tasseled monster finally rounds on member of the bar and man half his size Clarence Mason, only stopped from an atrocity by sense finally prevailing. Well, that's how I remember it in any case. Interesting attempt at uh, revisionism there, <laughs> Incidentally, we also see Vince here in, his, in this recap in his Halloween burglar outfit thing. So it's like, if you were in the crowd, how mad would have all of this been to witness? Like they went, here's one episode, cut in, now it's Halloween, Vince is a burglar and Jerry's a dentist. <laughs> Sorry, proctologist. What the fuck is going on? We spoke about, didn't we, how Vince had his suit on underneath? Yeah, um, now his, we know his why. His burglar bill kit. And then, yeah, now that's why. I think he's, just, <laughs> he's ripped it off. Right, right let's go again. <laughs> Imagine being there. Fucking insane. We kick off in the ring. And it really is the tale of two tassels here. It's like watching, like, you know, the old TV broadcasts where the lights used to leave trails. You know what I mean? Like, they're both merging from another dimension. There's like this fucking like or like a mouse <laughs> following around a screen. It's bonkers. I'm, I'm I've got a fucking migraine yeah. just watching it. We get a few lockups, rope runs, and leapfrogs, with Ginetti grabbing the ropes to stop himself as Bulldog leaps to no avail, with full heel Ginetti then poking the Union Jack off right in the eye. I thought Bulldog was meant to be the heel here. What the fuck's going on? Ginetti takes control with some more rope running, culminating in a Marty baseball slide underneath the legs of the Bulldog, and then hitting him with an Enziguri, which Bulldog sells with this big front flip into like a big back bump, which looked good, although the timing was a bit off. And, you know, it was either Bulldog who was sort of going over in anticipation a little bit early or a bit late of Marty delivering the, the kick and I imagine I know which one Jim thinks was at fault. Bulldog regains momentum and picks Ginetti up with a huge full body press before dropping him throat first onto the top rope, guillotining the neon nightmare. We get a picture in picture for a promo. Normally I'd hate this, but this one is delivered by Jim Connett's lawyer, Clarence Mason, so I'm okay with it. We get another stellar promo from Mason, genuinely really, really good, telling us that owing to his diligent legal work, he's received word from Gorilla Monsoon that on December the 17th in your house, the Bulldog will get a title shot against either Bret Hart or Diesel, whichever wins the title at Survivor Series. Great stuff. Back to full screen and Ginetti is up on one of the longest hanging vertical suplexes I've ever seen. Incredible strength from both lads here as Bulldog then gracefully plants Ginetti as he falls over backwards and then gets up on one knee and celebrates with a bicep flex to the hard camera. Bulldog is as good in the ring as he is bad on the mic. It's just, I, I can't square it away. Ginetti sells the suplex, the two regroup and Bulldog calls the next sequence, repeating the Pick up by his hair spot he did the other week. Looks good again. Marty does really well to say it. Sorry, I mean, uh, it was fine. Bulldog straight back onto Ginetti with a rear headlock as Cornet shouts encouragement. Marty powers out and hits the ropes, but is felled by a knee to the midriff, sending him arse over tit, and the headlock is reapplied for another bit of a rest hold. He did this for ages, I just thought it was just pure spoiling attacks on the bullet. It was like watching... Uh Sam Allardyce's Bolton in like the mid the mid two thousands, just pure spoiling <laughs> tactics against a superior <laughs> competitor. <laughs> Thought you might say that. <laughs> the crowd in the arena and Jim at home cheer Marty into action as he executes a lovely crucifix pin for a two count. But Bulldog straight back up for a running forearm that twists Marty inside out. You know that like Jeff Hardy cell where it just looks like fucking brilliant. Actually, Billy Gunn does it too. Brilliant. We brawl around a bit and head to the break as Marty's whipped hard into the turnbuckle. We get some half-decent commentary from Doc about how Bulldog's adaptability in recent weeks has made him a formidable opponent. You're dead right, Doc. And I can see that you, you know, really just want to be on comms rather than Del Boying the crap out of things week <laughs> after week. So fair, fair play, mate. And that was good. Doc's voice is interesting, isn't it? Oh, it's, I mean, you think Vince is gravelly. 
Whew. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he sounds like he's been on the uh, on the woodbines all day. <laughs> so it's so scratchy. Like we're only into match one, and it's already it's already annoying me. But, uh, <laughs> Marty sent outside by Bulldog. Earl Hebner keeps Bulldog from going outside uh, to follow him as Connor attacks Marty with his tennis racket. Sorry, I mean cushioned ping pong bat. Marty gets back up and Sunset flips over the top of Bulldog into the ring, but Bulldog resists after an age. He does that like, you know, arm swing. Like, it looks shit. That's not how it works, is it? It's like kayfabe shattering and he does it for about (laughs) fucking 30 seconds, doesn't he? I mean, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. And then he just stops and then eye pokes Marty to break out of it. I was like... With Bulldog in the corner then, Marty runs and attempts a, well, I'm not really sure what it was supposed to be, like a sort of head height bronco buster was he going for? As Bulldog takes evasive and Janetti's top leg is trapped in the turnbuckle, leaving him trapped in a self-inflicted tree of woe, which by the way is my favourite wrestling move name of all time. Bulldog doesn't miss the opportunity to stomp a mud hole in the pom-pommed pillock and then brings him back into the middle of the ring for another headlock rest hold. Pointless arm drop KO check reaches its obligatory two before Marty then hulks Crowd's up. Crowd's getting up. There. Feel that energy, can you? you feel that energy. <laughs> Marty, Marty. <laughs> I, could just, I could just picture you, Jim, in your living room on the edge, edge of the sofa. Fist oh, pumping like Jimmy, Jimmy Hart. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Hart. <laughs> Do you know what I did find surprise as well? Uh, you know, considering Janetti is the, the master of the monkey flip, we... Uh, well, I don't think we've seen one yet, so I think not he's one. monkey flipped out for uh, not one in this match. I mean, this week he, he someone had told him when he got the back on this eve on the twenty <laughs> third of October, aren't they? That Marty, you did seven there, mate. You've got <laughs> yeah. another match tonight. Stop it! Unbelievable. Um, a flying back elbow to meet the running bulldog sends him to the floor, followed by a face buster, and then a big DDT, which would have gotten the pin on Bulldog, who gets a foot on the ropes. Lovely ring presence from Bulldog there. He knew exactly where he was. Doc Hendricks chimes in. If only Marty Janetti had have hooked the outside leg. Yeah, you're, you're dead right, Doc. That, that would have got him the win. He was Jammy. being a Wally there. Jammy. <laughs> Jammy. Bollocks. Marty misses a spear into the corner and connects with the ring post, giving Bulldog the chance to pick him up and deliver his finisher, the running power slam, and he gets the three count. Good match. Great match. Wrong winner. Great match. <laughs> <laughs> every time next we get a promo package we start with a view of the Washington Monument with Hail to the Chief playing and a pre-recorded caption at the top and then we you know we hear what sounds like US President at the time Bill Clinton's voice sort of and then the camera tilts down to reveal a two-bit lookalike of US President Bill Clinton this awful promo sees, not Bill Clinton, claim that the WWF is one of the nation's greatest exports, and as a result, he'll be glad to attend Survivor Series. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm being totally genuine here. No, you did not think it was him. Is this a lookalike? Oh my shit in Christ. You didn't think it was actually Bill Clinton. You thought Vince had Bill Clinton doing a piece to camera. You I both did. did. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to think, is this a lookalike? It's a very convincing lookalike. You two are morons. <laughs> to be fair, though, when he was talking, I was just picturing the Family Guy sketch where Clint, Cl- Clinton and Peter and the uh, the limo, limo. So that just set me off then. So I, did, I didn't see much of it. So this wasn't him? Of course it wasn't. I can't believe that. It just, <laughs> I'm going to change my builders here. After <laughs> <laughs> oh, his back. Well, I mean, uh, actually, I was fairly impressed as well when it, when, it, when it came on. I was like, he's doing well here to get to get the presidents of the uh, yeah, Jesus the Christ, the president's putting them over. It's <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. It's like Bill Clinton's going to the Survivor Series. What a what a coup! 
<laughs> oh my god! What one? Oh man, devastating now. <laughs> I thought you could have appeared in the wild card match. I was, I was, I was hoping for all cards. <laughs> oh man, I mean that is fantastic. <laughs> okay, well apparently. One third of the Monday Night Scores team thought, what the hell is this? The other two loved it. We head back to ringside where Doc tells Cornet that he must be happy with Monsoon's decision to give Bulldog that title shot in your house against the winner of Brett or Diesel at Survivor Series. But that he must be worried about the wildcard match of the series. Well, I'm sure he is now if he thinks actual President Bill Clinton, you morons, is going to be involved. Jim instantly rounds on Doc to correct him. Monsoon just did what was right and legal, so let's not be giving him any credit. Great stuff. Another great promo from Cornet, while Bulldog just flexes his biceps. Cornet then warns HBK if he tries to pull a double cross on Bulldog, then Syracuse will look like a walk in the park because Bulldog will take him apart. Susan Perb stuff, this from Cornet. Susan Perb. Bulldog breathlessly and loudly follows up with his typical and now ruined by Liam Shrek promo. Yeah, I can't hear it. I can't stop hearing it now. Now he said it, I, I couldn't hear anything it's else. spot on, isn't it? Like, there it's is perfect. like elements of like the Scottish accents. It's just Shrek. Yeah, I'd, I'd never noticed it before, but I, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop hearing it after, <laughs> no, after, after that from last week. <laughs> Me neither. What is he doing here, though? Like, Cornet's oh, just like bad. beautifully just summarised what's going on. And then. He clearly thinks that he's not done, you know, Cornet's not done a good enough job and then just rambles on, doesn't he? Like, oh, it's bollocks. It's, oh, it's full bollocks. He says nothing. He says it badly. And I'm more confused than before he started speaking. I can barely, like, understand the word he says. And I, How do the Americans manage? <laughs> that is a very good Americans point. I, 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 I am struggling. Yeah. And, do you know what I mean? <laughs> we're, we're from a place that's only a couple of hundred miles away. Yeah, yeah I'm his countryman. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Doc sends back to Vince on comms. Later tonight, we're going to get Hakushi and Brett the Hitman Hart taking on Jim's dentist, Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS, and Jerry the King Lawler. We then cut to the back, where we find Hakushi, which means white one or white angel, I googled. He's wearing a white kimono and trousers. That makes sense. And a white bandana with Buddhist sutras written all over it in lines. Looks great. And they've also been written all over his face, head and body. Like tattoos. Looks fantastic. Hikushi's chatting to Barry Horowitz. Not sure why. And Bret Hart. Before we get to the tag match, though, the Monday Night Recap continues. This time we see a clip from WWF Superstars this past weekend where Jerry Lawler is in the ring interviewing the robe and wig-clad Goldust. Gold spotlights uh, to light Straight off the bat, Vince reminds us that Goldust is bizarre. <laughs> he didn't miss a fucking beat, did he? He straight couldn't let us get First thing. Unbelievable. We've got to start a sweepstake here between, you know, Goldust being mentioned and or seen and Vince saying the B word. Like it's, we're, in, <laughs> we're going to be in nanoseconds in no time. It's insane. Into the frame in the ring here walks Bam Bam Bigelow, who takes the mic and challenges with a, let's be honest, pretty naff promo. I've never heard him speak, I don't think, before Bam Bam Bigelow, and it ain't good. Yeah, it's an amateurish. Yeah, 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 it really does. And he challenges Goldust to a match. Goldust responds with an incredible, super creepy response, quoting films and lines from films. And He's quoting Ben-Hur at him, and I'm just ben thinking Hur. this must have been so lost on, on Bam Bam's like, really <laughs> fucking... Like, he's a man who's never practised a promo in his life, and then... <laughs> He's getting this really eloquent fucking yeah. spiel launched back at him. <laughs> It'd be like, it's like a game of tennis, me against Rafa Nadal or something, and I've put a forearm over the cot and someone's come back and I haven't even seen what it is. <laughs> totally missed it. Lovely. <laughs> Gold just finishes by telling uh, Bam Bam that he'll remember the name Gold Dust. 
and that's it. We're getting a match between them at Survivor Series. Fantastic. Yeah, I love, love that. Back to the arena and the rear screens show some literal pigs in shit. As a lazy banjo pluck musical interlude plays and Henry O. Godwin, dungarees, <laughs> trucker cap, yellow t-shirt, slop bucket and all, enters the arena. The banjo music continues with this weird hillbilly voiceover adding, come on, pig, 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 which Vince <laughs> then repeats, as does Doc Hendricks, the fucking hell are we doing I here, lads? I love Vince saying pig, pig, pig. <laughs> it's class. Vince's little comments are really making me laugh. When he said taxi the other week. <laughs> But he really goes for this. Like, pick, 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 pick. Yeah, he loves it. He goes big It makes me laugh. Unbelievable. It's interesting seeing this side of Vince, isn't it? I do remember like watching the WWF around this 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 time, but obviously with being too young, I can't really. It doesn't really stick in my mind. But uh, yeah, obviously when when you go into the attitude here, you've got Vince obviously as the you know the massive heel of the company, isn't he? Yeah. He's this dislike person, but he is quite funny. I'm with Jimmy and, and yourself. There, these comments on comms over the past couple of weeks have been. Been really good. I've enjoyed it. Keep it up. Bill from Bitters, Arkansas. Godwin is set to take on Terry Richards, a big unit of a lad who looks a whole hell of a lot like a young rhino. It is a young rhino. Save for the fact that he's clean shaven. He looks pretty much exactly the same as rhino always has. It's great. And he's got the uh, the jobber ensemble on, hasn't he? All red. <laughs> he does. <laughs> All red, like amateur wrestling water singlet. <laughs> yeah. All plain red. Yeah. <laughs> At least we know who this is this week, though. You've been told his name. You're dead yeah. right, Liam. After, after, the, uh, after, after the, the, the shambles of last week. <laughs> after the Michael Scott suit wearing... <laughs> Otis or whatever Otis. his name is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible. So we get and then another slow frame rate recap to show that it's in the past where we see Hunter Hearst Helmsley recoiling at Henry's slop bucket as he narrowly avoids the slopping as he's as Godwin's suppressed by some tons of referees and he's trying to sort of slop Triple H but uh, Helmsley's uh, getting close to him and spraying his perfume over the top <laughs> I am over the top of the refs and then backing off and uh, fucking brilliant uh, absolutely lovely what, what, a, what a terrible gimmick he's got Triple H and how well he's making it work Back in the ring and the two beasts kick things off. Godwin's even bigger than Richards and both are fucking big lads. And both start off pretty athletically with some vicious slams into the corner, fast-paced. One in particular, um, a whip in the corner where Richards goes rib first to full pelt in the turnbuckle as Godwin escapes at the very last second. And it looked really nasty. Richards like slammed in rib first, going at fucking 100 miles an hour. We get a cracking leg drop from Godwin on the apron before the two enormous lads pace around the ring for some more. Alarming to see big lads moving that fast action. Terry Richards absolutely barrels into the top ropes at speed, bouncing back towards Godwin and Rhino you don't, a back elbow fells the future ECW legend. I was really pleased with that one. A few gut punches from a kneeling position looks... <laughs> Shut up. A few gut punches from a kneeling position look to be returning the momentum in Richards' favour for a second, but Godwin rips and then kicks Richards in the gut, rather clumsily in truth, to set up his reverse DDT finisher known apparently as the Slop Drop. <laughs> Pop for this as well. Classic <laughs> name from Vince. I, 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 uh, I liked the Slop Drop. I thought it looked... Uh... Quite impressive, to be honest. Yeah, no, think, it was decent. It was decent. Yeah, it surprised, it surprised me. I thought it was going to be absolutely uh, ridiculous, but no. Fair, fair play to uh, Henry O. Godwin. Well done. The slop drop does for Richards in Arkansas's favourite son celebrates at ringside for he's attacked from behind by a flying aristocrat. 
Hunter Hearst downs, he sprints around the ring and then leaps off the ring steps to deliver a forearm to the back of the hog farmer's neck and then delivers a pedigree to Godwin on the outside. He then goes on to don white gloves, as we saw in the intro recap, precap. Precap. Hands protected now, Helmsley grabs Godwin's bucket from the beneath the bottom turnbuckle in the Damien the Snake position and proceeds to pour the disgusting contents all over the hog farmer's head as he lies face down outside the ring. Curdled milk kind of thing it looked yeah. like in his bucket. Yeah, a bit of edging. Grim. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I saw the, uh, the odd pieces like tomato in there. Yeah. Uh, is it he, meant to be shit? Like, is, is that what he means by slop? Is that meant to be no, shit? No, I think, I think slop's pig feed. Yeah, pig swell, isn't it? So I think yeah. it's like... Ah, what, what you give the pigs, do we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's always going to feed the pigs, either before or after a wrestling match. <laughs> he's always prepared to feed pigs <laughs> should they arrive. Right. Should someone else's yeah. pigs arrive where he is, he, he will do whosoever yeah. farmer the pigs belong to a good turn and we'll feed them for him. He will feed them, right. Okay, makes, makes complete sense. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Helmsley, after delivering this sickening blow, curtsy bows his way to the back. Great stuff. We're treated to another WWF WrestleMania the arcade game advert. Still looks fantastic. And the tagline is indeed, I've checked it this week, Jim. No pain, no gain from acclaim. Fantastic. It's followed by the Hacksaw Jim Duggan soundtracked Karate Fighters ad to sponsor Survivor Series Slam Jam. Still don't know what that is. But we're greeted by the Toddster, Todd Pettengill. He's, he's back. He's back and he's in Del Boy Doc Hendricks's place in Nelson Mandela House to sell us some more crap. He's sporting the unlikely combo of geography teacher, lightest denim known to man jeans, a black t-shirt and a horizontal striped shock fest tank top that even the mean street posse would not be seen dead in. What is this top? Like, what, what, what was it? Like, <laughs> it's like loads of carpet samples have just been <laughs> stitched together. It was absolutely heinous from, from the Toddster. <laughs> He it goes, was ridiculous. He's poor, isn't he? It's all fucking straight from carpet, right? You're dead, right, Lee? And the, did you did you notice the uh, the large picture of Doc Hendricks in the background as well, just like smiling? I missed that. Yeah, I missed so it. The, so the, the the cardboard cutout was there, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, because we we know there's only two cardboard cutouts. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's 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 quite a large uh, picture of Doc Hendricks just smiling away in the back as well. So. Jesus. On the same pedestal, on the same pedestal as uh, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Well, now he's been elevated to uh, to top talent on the announce table. I can see why. Uh, the Toddster is here to plug Survivor Series on the nineteenth of November, and he says that Mabel's challenge to the Undertaker has been answered by the Dead Man, and the Dead Man will captain the Dark Side team alongside Fatu, Henry Godwin, and Savio Vega, and they'll take on Captain Mabel's team called the Royals, which will include Jerry Lawler. Hunter Hurst Helmsley and Isaac Yankum. The Todd's really, then- uh, sorry, sorry, this really annoyed me. This this uh Me too. Just why have they got names? <laughs> why have they named the teams? The Undertaker's team, the dark side, and they're all all the faces. Fatu and <laughs> Fatu's happy go lucky. Savio Vega dancing on the dark side. <laughs> yeah. We're just fucking dancing in the ring. And then the Royals. The Royals. Well, Jim, Jim, I'm gonna get to the Royals. Wait a minute, let me let me just let me just call this out right so the Toddster lies to us by saying that all the team members have royal links so Jerry the King Lawler alright fine 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 you can comment on that yeah. I'll, I'll give you that Toddster 
Hunter Hearst Helmsley is an American blue blood. Well, that's not quite the same as royal, that is it, Todd? That just means aristocrat. That, right? It's fallen down so straight away. It's fallen down. <laughs> second well, strike one, right? It doesn't, doesn't work. You know, right? But having said that, at least I'll get to see him in action, unlike WCW's fucking blue blood, so I guess I'll take it. And I shit you not, Isaac Yankum, he calls the king of crowns, right? As a, as a dentistry <laughs> pun, right? Fuck off, right? Followed by, and then he said, because he calls him the royal dentist. Well, that's not how it works. When you're the royal whatever, that doesn't give you royal status. Feel the royal, you know, fucking. You're not eighth in line to the throne because you're fucking uh, the queen's fucking yeah, shit exactly. off the or something. Exactly, right. that's how it works, Todd. You lying bastard. <laughs> Todd tells us everyone wants to know what Taker's face looks like after Mabel crushed it and says we'll get the answer in two weeks' time. Oh, fuck you, Todd. Then we head to a spooky graveyard at night with smoke, creepy choral music and wind and the chilling tones of Paul Bearer. He's standing next to an old latticed window next to the Undertaker outside whose face is in shadow. He cuts a cracking promo as per usual and reacts in disgust and horror as Taker delivers his promo, saying that they'll all rest in peace. As if the mere sight of Taker's face that he can see but we can't is too disturbing and too affecting for Paul Bearer. Awesome stuff. It's like he's seen a ghost. And then I thought, I saw a ghost as we get a promo from WWF champion who's been missing in action for donkeys, Diesel. He recaps the no-rule stipulation for the Brett match. No count-out, no time limit, no DQ. Of course, didn't mention it this time, but as we established last week, the perfect way to prevent outside interference. Back in the ring, and we see the enormous Kammer. He never looked this big or impressive as the Godfather, did he? Like, this is... He looks like an absolute grade-A headline act. He's accompanied on his way to the ring by the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, and so he gets his... Money, 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 money. Music, brilliant. Kama is going to be taking on Tony Roy. Yeah, that's what I thought. Who shares a striking facial resemblance to Timmy from South Park as he smiles to the hard <laughs> camera. <laughs> and then we're interrupted while Barry Didinsky, the mayor of merchandise, as he calls himself, Aww. is ringside, trying this to sell atrocious. us some more absolute crap ahead of the pogs holiday he's season. He's yeah. got pogs. Three kilos of pogs. <laughs> he's, got, he's got three kilos of pogs. And he wants $21 plus $3.95 shipping and handling for the three kilos of him. Who oh. needs a thousand pogs? Like, <laughs> like, I used to like having a game of pogs when I was a... Uh, when I was a youngster, but a thousand. Yeah, you had about 20 and that was more yeah. than enough. Oh, it's insane. way too many pogs. And the thing, you, you only get two slammers with this bag as well. Yeah, that's <laughs> correct. That, that, that ratio is, is it, <laughs> isn't good for me. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be buying that off the, uh, off the mer- <laughs> merch- uh, merchandise. We kick off in the ring and the bald patch and mullet of Tony Roy is getting battered by Kammer. But then he actually manages to get a few moves in as we start. You know, the much bigger Kammer looked a bit weird. Kammer's like, all right, mate, here you go. This is clearly a squash match. I'll give you your 20 seconds. Off you go. And then Vince tells us, the most flamboyant, the most Brazilian WWF superstar in the world today, Shawn Michaels, is on the phone. It's the weekly uh, the weekly phone-in match. Yeah, ridiculous. How do they expect us... To give shit about what what is being put on the screen here, if if when the matches are going on, we're just going to have a talk with somebody else who's not even at the fucking arena. This is obscene. The graphic they have up as well of HBK in the bottoms, like <laughs> so, like inappropriate. And I think he's grabbing his Hampton on that. So <laughs> it's just like we, we know who this is. This graphic does not need to be up here. <laughs> Dead right, <laughs> grabbing his Hampton. <laughs> it's just any opportunity to get the Hampton in the hand. 
Unbelievable. Sean tells us he's feeling better and is glad to have Ahmed Johnson in his corner for Survivor Series, though he doesn't know if he can trust him. And he definitely can't trust Psycho Sid, his former bodyguard. So it could end up with nine guys beating him up again. Bad luck might as well be his middle name, he says, as he can't catch a break unless he makes one for himself. Oh, it's just fucking atrocious. Yeah, stop it it's with the fucking... Fucking woe is me narrative. This is it. It's ludicrous. It's like when he's doing all this... You know, the cobwebs have always been there, so I've always been a little disorientated and all this this complete nonsense. And he's just like, he's trying to come across as like this kind of the kind of normal, modest, like yeah. self deprecating yeah, kind exactly. of but it's just so natural. You can't you can't yeah. do it. You can't you can't pull it off. <laughs> Exit HBK just as Kama gets the win with a big punch. Huh? Uh, I mean, I, uh, to be honest, I wasn't watching this. I couldn't yeah. really see it. I was just concentrating on this cobblers on the phone and I missed it and I felt a bit sorry for both Kama and Tony Roy, the poor lad. Doc bemoans the fact that HBK didn't speak to him on the phone call and that Vince hogged the phone. He genuinely put out. <laughs> I love this. And he gets an apology from Vince. Well, Vince says, what do you want me to say? He says, well, sorry, might be a good start, which Vince does do. He does apologise. <laughs> well played, Doc. You've got Vince McMahon to apologise to you for hogging the phone with HBK. Full marks. Now, if you were thinking... Lads, how can they possibly make the one, two, three kid look any dafter? (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's your answer. The kid's going to be a special guest referee for the Razor Psycho Sid Intercontinental Championship match next week on Raw for no reason that I can work out. What the hell is this? It's shit in it. Going going back to this, like watching watching it back, like you know, when I when I was growing up, I used to like watching one, two, three kid. I don't know if it's because. Uh, he seemed quite relatable because I was like seven. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, after that bullcrap, we get another Karate Fighters replay. This time, though, the ad features the smoking guns fighting each other again with an unnecessary ref. Fantastic! That gets me every time now, Liam. Now you've pointed it out. Fucking How bad good. is is the voiceover? Oh, it's atrocious. It's almost as bad as Bart Gunn's acting in oh, it. Oh, <laughs> I made a note about Bart Gunn. Wow. Bart Gunn. I mean, him and Kid. Imagine imagine them in like a, a, a two-person show. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it would be, it'd be, so, it'd be like the room levels of just absurdity. It's awful. He's wooden as you like. <laughs> what, are the, uh, what are the karate fighters called again? Uh, I keep forgetting the names. Yeah, something, about, something like Thunderfoot. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> and and Stormbreaker or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's just <laughs> Billy Gunn gets first dibs, fair enough. <laughs> it's just utter shite. Oh man. Anyway, we're back to something that isn't daft. They tell us next week though, uh, next week's karate fighters m- must see segment have to have to include a karate fighters segment in the show. <laughs> next week's is gonna feature uh, Vince versus King. Oh, right, nice. Is that what they said? I missed that. Oh, the, the building karate fighter segments. We're getting a week's build for karate fighter segments now. This is <laughs> this is the level we're at. Yeah, next week, Vince V. King on karate fighters. Who do you, th- who do you think is going for uh, Thunderfoot? <laughs> <laughs> I reckon Vince left big... Thunderfoot. Lawler's more of a, like a striker, isn't he? Lawler's more of a oh, yeah, yeah. fist yeah, man, true. I reckon. True. Yeah, I think you're probably Tough decision, though. Tough decision. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think will win? Well, if Vince is able to replicate his swinging arms for his walk to the ring in later <laughs> life, then our money's yeah. on him because that'll yeah. be dangerous in a karate fighter yeah. setting. I would imagine. I'm going for Lawler. He'll he'll pull something out of the bag. Some some dirty uh, shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, love it. Can't wait now. I can't I'll wait. Say, I'm saying Vince personally. I think I think it'll be a good classic time to uh, 
you know, really get some egg on the heels face, beat you with karate <laughs> fighters. He's going to hate that. <laughs> well, I thought they'd done that in this because Billy wins the first round and then in the outro we see Bart winning it to level it up. It's like, oh, come on, lads. It's not, yeah. <laughs> you're not really going over one another. It's karate fighters. If you were... Billy would be going over. Anyway, we're back in the ring and Brett <laughs> above. Sorry. Anyway, we're back in the ring and Bret Hart and Hakushi enter to Brett's superb music. The latter being accompanied by he's described as cultural attaché Barry Horowitz. <laughs> <laughs> what right. the fuck is this? What, what, what? I need to. I need to jump in here. What? <laughs> how, how has Barry Horowitz got this gig? Like, what's he's that okay. Liam? I could not tell you. I could not, for love and money, work out any of the logic here. I, I, I just didn't get it at all. It's like, like Akushi's turned up, doesn't speak the language, don't know what he's doing, and they've gone, right, well, the one man who can integrate you into this Western society is Barry Horowitz. Like, yeah. has he got any Japanese links? Does he speak the language? Did he? I mean, even if they'd said Horowitz, after his years of wrestling in, <laughs> you know, you know, New Japan, fine, right? But nothing. It's just for no yeah. reason. Cultural attaché, Barry Horowitz. <laughs> I think I think I think Horowitz he, he's uh, he's had a go at karate fighters hasn't he so <laughs> that'll do it. M- maybe yeah, that's fair the enough. link yeah fair enough Liam that's that's more logic than I've got yeah it's sold <laughs> <laughs> oh man Brett gets above ring popping pyro which Vince and Doc sell like some dynamite has just felled the roof honestly lads it wasn't very good. Bischoff be laughing at him Bischoff would be and rightfully so enter Jerry the King Lawler and Isaac Yankum DDS the heels enter the ring slowly as they're making their way down the ramp and they have all kinds of chew with crowd members as we go and then there's an amazing moment where some lads dressed up in the crowd as gold dust really start taunting Lawler when Lawler's up on the apron and Lawler like responds and has some back and forth with him and sends the camera their way fucking brilliant like it just these these two lads Lawler in particular must be fucking loving what he's doing this is great we get underway with Brett and Yankum in the ring. Yankum starts by dominating, but Hart takes control after Yankum misses a shoulder charge into the corner. Hart legs it against the ropes, but is caught mid-charge by Yankum with a bear hug, although he quickly gets out of it with a nasty like eye rake. Obviously been watching Ginetti earlier with all the uh, face-doing heel-move moves. He regains He's the biggest command. influence on the uh, roster, isn't he? Jesus. He regains command. Shut up. He regains <laughs> command and holds Yankum on the deck, arms extended upwards as Hakushi is tagged in and heads to the top rope straight away and drops a cracking diving headbutt. This is the first time I've seen Hakushi in action in my life. I've never seen him wrestle before. And he started well. His strikes look fantastic already, especially given that he's taken on like a much, much bigger Yankum, but the pair of them are making it work. Hakushi sends the dentist into the corner, retreats to the opposite corner, and then plants a superb cartwheel back elbow. Look brilliant. Like the impact, the weight of it. It was just poetry in motion to uh, half quote Jeff Hardy. A wrist lock keeps him in control and he brings Yankum into the corner and then turns to square up to Lawler in the opposite corner as Uber Heel Brett works over Yankum behind the ref's back. Hakushi follows up with a Bronco Buster, just without the repeated, like, Broncoing that X-Pac does later on. Brett's tagged in and stomps Yankum in the corner. Atomic drop, clothesline, falling headbutt to the mid-drift, and then a submission hold working Yankum's tricep. Then we get a flying crossbody, a two-count, then a sunset flip from the apron as Brett comes back inside, having gone for a quick excursion, out, and another two-count. Hakushi's tagged in and sets up Isaac for an identical cartwheel back elbow spot, but Yankum's wise to it this time and clocks Hakushi in the back in mid-air as he tries to deliver the elbow. Look great, especially as Lawler excitedly celebrates on the apron by jumping up and down. Fucking amazing. 
Hakushi's thrown outside but keeps hold of the ropes to stay on the apron and then leaps up onto the top rope to perform a springboard drop kick to the back of Yankum. Look cracking. Hakushi's yeah, nice class. That. Enjoyed that. So good. The man from Japan then follows up with a slingshot crossbody to the outside, but Yankum catches him midair and then rams him back first into the ring post. Lovely little segment, that. Lawler then gets in a cheap shot of his own as the ref sends Brett back to the apron and Yankum then gets Akushi back in the ring. Yankum in control now and he delivers a massive backbreaker before tagging in Lawler. Lawler then legs it around close to Brett, who's you know still on the apron waiting to be tagged in to taunt him goes back to focus on Hakushi and delivers a beautiful pile driver. Instead of covering Hakushi, though, Lawler goes and delivers another pile driver before taunting Brett while Yankum gets in some cheap shots on the man from Japan. Yeah. <laughs> and the ref's distracted by Brett as Lawler then chokes Hakushi over the bottom rope. Yankum and Lawler take turns dominating before a huge whip from Yankum sends Hakushi into the turnbuckle and us to a break. Hakushi valiantly fights back before the dentist applies the Boston Crab, but then Brett comes in and breaks that up. Lawler gets tagged in and delivers some lovely textbook Lawler driving elbows and then heads up top, but Hakushi reverses the King's flying double axe handle attempt with a strike to the solar plexus. This gives Hakushi chance to make the hot tag to Brett as Lawler sends Yankum in to take on the Hitman. Some amazing selling from uh, the King of the, <sighs> selling the throat. And then uh, oh, yeah, Vince yeah. has got him. I imagine if um, King won't, can't be able to talk next week, he won't, blah, blah, if he's on comms or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, then great I'll stuff. Start fretting about the prospect of having Doc on again. I know, I know, I know, <laughs> you, I know you've quite liked him, but I, I couldn't have two weeks of Doc. You couldn't, no, couldn't no, do Doc for two weeks. Fair no, no chance. <laughs> Brett goes to town and after a few strikes, plants Yankum with a running ball. Though look great. Lola enters and Brett gives him and Yankum a noggin knocker that Vince calls a right royal headache. Shut up, Vince. Hart takes control. Russian leg sweep, driving elbow from the second rope. Sharpshooter. King's going to go in and break it up, but Akushi stops him. Ref gets Akushi out of the ring and misses Yankum tapping. King throws a weird plastic chair into the ring that we saw in the pre-cap, and he's going to blindside Brett with it, but cultural attaché Barry Horowitz grabs the chair from Lawler. The ref turns around to see Horowitz with the chair, going for Lawler, and he disqualifies Brett and Akushi as a result. Bullshit, he didn't hit him with it. I yeah, hate I, didn't, I, I hated that. Doesn't work. Ridiculous. Just bollocks. Lawler and Yankum get the win. What was this chair all about? Yeah, no I don't idea. know where they've, they've got that from. No don't know idea. Where it's from. Doesn't make any sense. Literally. I've never seen. I've never seen in wrestling any a chair that wasn't plastic, plastic chair. <laughs> yeah. Back on comms, Vincent Doc give us a preview of next week. We're going to get Triple H versus Godwin, an Intercontinental Title match with the Kid being the special guest ref. Brett versus Diesel and Ahmed Johnson's Raw debut. And with that, we are out. Oh no, we're not. Vince says so long, but we'll be back in thirty seconds with some previews of next week's Raw. So here's a video package repeating everything we've just told us. After watching that package that really does preview and replay everything they've just told us, we finally are out. Right, let's see what we all made of that then. Liam, kick us off. What were your raw ratings builders? Okay, so builder number one, I'm going to go with uh, the British Bulldog and Marty Gennetti uh, match. Nice. Um, I know that, you know, we do get quite a lot of superlatives chucked towards Marty Gennetti from 
from someone on the team, but uh, I had to <laughs> had to hold my hands up this week. I think he uh, he put on a, a decent spectacle with the bulldog, um, and quite rightly, as you said, see, you know, the, the bulldog in the ring is is fantastic. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame you're just left with that bitter taste of his uh, absolute <laughs> dour mic skills. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I enjoyed that as a, as a starter as well. I, I thought it was a really good match. Nice, yeah, me too. Uh, building number two, I'm going to go Triple H. Nice. Um, although wasn't obviously fighting on the card, um, I just think every every time we get you know a little little segment of him on Raw, it, I, I just enjoy. I do look forward mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and we've mentioned it many times about this this ridiculous gimmick he's been given. Um, <laughs> But but he he's he's absolutely running with it at the moment, you know, with the the gloves and the the perfume and yes, you know the the bowing and and even the pedigree this week I thought was uh, it did look was, really was good far smoother. Right. So uh, yeah, I, I, every time he's on right, I do I do look forward to uh, yeah, totally agree to his segments. And then I'm going to finish on building number three. I'm going to put Hakushi. So nice um, with you. I've I've never seen him uh, fight before and. Um, I was really impressed with what he could do in the ring. You know, a good mix of, of you know, aerial manoeuvres, map skills, brilliance, um, some quite good bumps. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, was, I was quite impressed with Akushi. Hopefully, we see, a, we see a lot more of him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Lovely stuff. Jim, what were your raw ratings builders? Builder number one is, is Jerry Lawler. Nice. I think he's been the builder many, many times uh, in the past. But we regularly comment on how entertaining he is on the mic but he showed he's still great value in and mainly around in this case yeah. the ring too so he didn't do much wrestling in the match um, in his in the, in the main event the tag match but all his contributions I thought on the apron when he's kind of um, overreacting to every decision and like you know getting excited when, when uh, Yankum's beating up somebody or when he's getting angry <laughs> yeah. when yeah, when, when uh, you know uh, uh, hearts on the offensive or whatever or your oh, Kushi I thought yeah all his contributions made a, a positive impact yeah, on, the, on, the, on the match yeah, itself and that was really good um, building number two technically this was not part of the show itself because it was a, a recap from uh, a Superstars mm. Superstars mm-hmm. Superstars program but I loved uh, Goldust promo yeah it was incredible uh, as we spoke about just playing a different game entirely to uh to fucking Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, well said. Turned well up with said. his fucking, his, his badminton racket to Wimbledon. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, showcase just how different uh, he is yeah. from the, the childish bollocks that yeah, we used to being served. And then third and final one is, I quite liked uh, Kammer being a, the idea that he was a, they were calling him the ultimate fighting machine, weren't they? And yeah, I, and I yeah, liked yeah. that he was, you know, he was, he was, he was, Doing a bit of you know more legitimate kind of fighting as opposed to wrestling moves, and he had the big KO punch for the finish. Shame about the way the match was treated, but nevertheless, fantastic stuff. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Lovely. Well, my build number one, uh, Hakushi too. He looked an absolute in at one Hakushi in at number one Hakushi. He looked an absolute Rolls Royce of a wrestler. His moves were super slick. I like his gimmick. And he looked sort of, he was able to do kind of these, you know, fast paced stuff, but also make them look really powerful. We mentioned it a couple of times with, he reminds me a little bit of, in the same way that Owen Hart in particular, I think there's another one to call out, was being able to make kind of the meat and potatoes stuff feel like it's got real weight. And I think he did that. I was, this is just awesome. I want to see more of him. He's, he's, as a true ratings builder, he is someone I want to tune in again to see more of next week. Build number two. Henry Godwin and Terry Richards. Good match, explosive speed, all entertaining, and it didn't outstay its welcome. 
And builder number three. I was on the cusp. I almost went for Kama too, Jim. But I swerved at the last moment. And I went for Doc Hendricks on comms. I thought he added quite a bit to this broadcast. He worked well with Vince, and he's clearly wasted in the Del Boy Nelson Mandela house flogging us crap each week room stuff. But this lad clearly knows his wrestling. He added some kind of useful sportscast style insight that I think we've actually been missing. And I think even Jerry doesn't do that too much. Um, I'm sure on instruction from Vince, I'm sure he could, but I thought Doc added that. I'm not saying I don't want to see Jerry back. I'm a big fan of Jerry Lawler, but I was so pleasantly surprised. If I was to return next week and find out that Jerry's in action, Doc's on comms again, I would be all right with that. That's the most controversial build we've ever had, that one. (laughs) 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 Okay, so over to our ratings killers. Liam, what were your raw ratings killers? Okay, so killer number one, without doubt, I'm going to put the selling of merchandise. So... (laughs) We, we've had we've had pogs this week, yeah, a, thou- a thousand of them. Um, a truckload of pogs. A truckload <laughs> of pogs. We had um, the, the really shoddy belts last week. We've had oh, the two dudes of Attitude um, t-shirts. We've had the cardboard cutouts. Right, this is starting to feel like QVC to me. Like <laughs> I'm sick. I'm sick of. I'm sick to death of of products being flogged to us. Are the are the World Wrestling Federation with you that skint at this time? <laughs> Um, <laughs> because it's it's becoming unbearable to me. I, I, yeah. I can't handle it anymore. Killer number two, I'm going to put the use of jobbers. So I obviously, mm-hmm. I understand that, you know, they, they serve a purpose. Yeah. Um, but over the last three episodes, we've had Brian Walsh, Joe Dorgan, Phil Apollo, John Reckner, Tony Roy, <laughs> Terry Richards. Right. We had a battle royal the other week. John Reckner. And we could have used... Some of those lads in there. Doink the Clown was on the other week. And yeah, he was true. Really, really good. Doink, yeah, get him involved. Yeah, uh, there's, there's just too many of them at the moment. I think, yeah. and, and, it, and it does take away a bit of the credibility of, of who the uh, going up against. Killer number three. I'm going for the HBK calling. So, yeah. um, it wasn't needed at yeah. all. Um, yeah. It went on for far too long. We missed the entirety of the the camera match, um, and it was it just seemed to be like a really you know, flirtatious conversation between Vince and HBK. <laughs> I was sick to death of it after about 10 seconds. And then when Sean signed off with Daddy O, that just oh, absolutely sealed it for me. Though. Tipped you over um, the edge. Yeah. So, yeah, totally disgusting. And I don't want to ever hear it or see it again. <laughs> God, <hear> that. <laughs> over to you, Sick Jim. of it. <laughs> what were your ratings killers? <laughs> so, killer number one for me is... This absurd suggestion that anything can happen in the WWF when <laughs> every week it is the same. Sh- yeah, sure, anything can happen as long as it fits in around the phone call match slot, the uh, <laughs> the news round sketch that we're going to get in Doc's Dungeon, the merchandise shield, the, f- <laughs> the couple of matches featuring jobbers. <laughs> We've had three weeks in a row of uh, graveyard promos from Paul Bearer. Don't get me wrong, they're all great. Yeah, but... But they're all the yeah, same. Yeah, like, you're right. And it's almost same. at the same time in each broadcast too. Yeah, it's just so rigid and so fucking, we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this and it's like, yeah, I don't know, they need to add some variety because of the fucking dull, these programmes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, killer number two, I'm going for Isaac Yankum. So his gimmick, I mean, he's, he's done some great work with me ratings the other week, he's fixed them, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, uh, such a shite gimmick and yeah. they aren't even attempting so like 
every now and again in his in the match, the tag match on this show, uh, Vince mentioned every now and again he cut over the powerful Yankum and this, that, and the other. When he's doing some, you know, every now and again he'll do some big move, he'll hoist somebody about or something. But um, they don't even attempt to present him as this force to be reckoned with in the sense that he, he got dominated by Akushi for the first, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. good significant part of the match he's getting absolutely dominated by Akushi and then as soon as he goes in the sharpshooter he's tapping within seconds yeah. he's tapping out <laughs> so do you know like he's some fucking you know some some monster this guy is it's funny uh, and it's like the, the weird thing is because he's so athletic and able to to do things that a, a man of his size isn't normally able to do it's like rather than making that a kind of once or twice thing that's special and is impressive they just play him like he did yeah. right like he is a, a smaller guy yeah. and you get the you get the puns, don't you? It seems to be the reason why it's there is for all the dentist jokes. Yeah, the you can make. <laughs> That's the purpose of this whole gimmick. We can make dentist jokes. Hundred percent nailed it. So he's done fucking well to come back from it, really, hasn't he? Because yeah, I mean, this he has, is absolute yeah. graveyard stuff. I mean, it does say a lot. They had to completely hide his identity, so no one went, "Ah, oh, fuck off, Isaac Yankum." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But still, you're right. Uh, you're not going to like killing number three, Steve, because oh, no, it's, uh, it's Doc in it. You bastard! It's it's too much Doc. I, I've wrote, he, 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 I just found him very great on me most of the show, and I've wrote, my exact words here: he just can't be the the best backup option on comms. He can't be. <laughs> so we're at, we're, at, we're at loggerheads on that one. Fair enough. <laughs> Cracking. Well, my ratings killers are thus: killer number one, not Bill Clinton. Why? <laughs> I still can't believe this. It's not funny. It doesn't add anything. It's duped some morons. That's annoyed me. I'm dreading some kind of... I'm, tre- I'm dreading some kind of Bill gets slopped skit at Survivor Series already. Stop it. I'm going to be honest here. I paused it and said to Rach, Bill Clinton's on Raw. I'm not even lying. I'm not even lying. <laughs> I bought a hook line, I'm telling you. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, wowzers. Killer number two. All the fucking recaps, right? As annoyed as you are with all the people selling your shit, Liam. I was so fed up with recaps and precaps and slow-mo frame rate in the past. The fact they kicked off the fucking episode by telling us what happened. Like, I could have stopped there. Like The point they paused, the, the, the does Triple H manage to slop Hog Farmer was the point at which gravity would already be sending <laughs> slop onto him. I know the answer. The fucking hell are you doing here? Like, we uh, uh, <laughs> we got we got a uh, we got a couple of images of the uh, the the, the armor Johnson slam as well, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did that, straight that, away. <laughs> that didn't need to happen, did it? As you say, the people we haven't seen, don't the clown shove him on? I'd rather see him than another yeah. fucking recap. And killer number three, I still don't care about the WWF title. I know we got a mini Diesel promo for this one, but it's you know, and it's clear now that he missed this raw filming day when they've done three episodes but Jesus H Christ we haven't seen him for fucking yonks properly reading into a bit of this apparently after the In Your House uh, title match like Vince was absolutely fuming with the uh, how like lethargic the uh, the main event was so ah really so he that was kind of like on. I think that's that was a kind of like the uh, the downfall of Diesel though before he uh, he, he ditches uh, I see on Cornet's podcast he talks about is he, he said he went and apologised to, to Vince McMahon because he said it's the worst main event I've ever, ever been involved in in all my life. So I felt wow. like I had to apologise for just how bad, even though obviously I was just, a, even though he was just a manager, he was like, yeah, this is the worst thing yeah. I've ever been involved with myself in the main event.
So that was WWF Monday Night Raw. Now to find out what happened on Monday Nitro. Jim, take us through what happened. Okay, so we kick off with Eric Bischoff bringing us in. He tells us Nitro is without a doubt where the big boys play. It's also where the comms team have no dress code as there's not a shirt or tie to be seen amongst them this evening. They do look scruffy. I thought that. They do look scruffy. Mongo tells us straight off the bat that Pepe is dressed as a clown this week. He's wearing a a tutu and a pointy hat. This is in honour of Jimmy Hart, apparently. But when he starts running around the comms desk with one paw pointing to the ceiling, we'll know he's gone. We know he's gone full evil then. He's got a character. What about about the irony, though? You know... in tribute to the clowns, oh, you know, geez, and, I know. and Mongo being the, the biggest clown in the uh, in the organisation. <laughs> Pot, kettle and black. Pot, kettle yeah. and black. Look, cretin. And then we've got this harrowing <laughs> reminder. If, if you like me, you'd forgotten that this week was going to be the interactive week on, on Nitro. Bischoff tells us the fans are calling the shots. He lays out the format for us. Uh, you ring up calls costing a reasonable 99 cents per minute. I thought it's a, a, a shade cheaper than the um, the hotline, the gossip hotline. 99 cents per minute to <laughs> ring up true. and you choose from a stable of stars based in a red locker room or a blue locker room. You pick your match from there. And with, with you know, red, was it red being fucking heels and blue being faces all the way around? I mean, like, come on, lads. Yeah, I think that was right. Red red's, red are the, are the heels and blue, and, uh, the blue locker rooms are the faces. Jesus. Bish then makes some kind of insinuation that the Macho Man Luger program is going to be continuing and I've just wrote fuck off. In, in, <laughs> and, and then we move on to, uh, we've got the Cobra, or just Cobra, versus the Giants. Right. So Cobra comes Co- out. Yeah, sorry. Cobra's music. Can we just, can we cover it off before we it's start? It's Morse code, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Right? <laughs> I don't care what it says. It's fucking annoying, right? It's shit. In what oh. way does this relate to anything? It's awful. Yeah, who is Cobra? No, no idea. Oh. Never heard of him before. Well, I, I was going to bring, I was going to ask this to, to, to you two, because obviously you've been here from the start. Like, from the from the shows I've gone through, I've, I've never seen or heard of Cobra not at all. Not a jot. Not a jot. Not at all, okay. Nah. Not a it's completely new to me, Cobra. I've Nitro not, debut. Not nice yeah, Nitro debut. debut. <laughs> Title match, no less. <laughs> Unsanctioned. <laughs> Un- Unsanctioned title match. Um, oh, straight in. Man. Yeah, he's got the look of um, some kind of in- this kind of insurgent who would provide you assistance on Call of Duty campaign mode. It's like a full beret and all, all the kind of gimmicks that you'd have. <laughs> oh, Cobra, the mighty Cobra. Anyway, uh, the giant, he enters the ring with the evil Jimmy Hart, who is as giddy as a schoolgirl, skipping into the ring. The giant gets in the ring, he hoists the ring announcer up in the air and he tells the ring announcer to announce that this is a title match. It's a title match because, of course, the giant has stolen Hulk Hogan's belt and he's pretending it's his. Um, <laughs> Still going with so, it. It just gets, wor- it gets worse, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Nevertheless, the, the ring announcer does, um, he buckles to the demands and the giant strong arms them into announcing, I mean, it's a big risk if the Cobra had won here. <laughs> he, lost, he lost this bell, he was so desperate to defend this title. Good job he didn't, didn't lose it. But um, yeah, the bell rings, four minutes, 39 seconds. The giant truck slams Cobra, he covers him, the ref counts, job done. Get back in your basket, you unruly serpent. And the bell rings at four minutes, 58 on the show. Jesus we've had Christ. A, we've had a. See now, that? I would have much preferred the cobra gimmick if he'd come out in a basket and some bloke had <laughs> charm him out with a flute. That, I'm, I'm all right with that. This was yeah, no, shit. It was terrible. What was the point of it? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I know last week, like you know, they, they they said like they welcome you know all comers to to challenge for the belt, and Cobra's <laughs> literally like ran with that, hasn't he? Like, because no one's <laughs> yeah. seen him before. Oh, hang on, he, he he's put an open challenge out, so I, I'm first, I'm first in life. <laughs> to put his hand up, and therefore here we go. Yeah. I mean, what a waste, of, uh, just a waste of of a, of a part of your show, isn't it? It's just like yeah, well, it was only 19 seconds, so I mean, it didn't yeah. waste much time. But, yeah, I know, but. You're supposed but yeah, you're to right. It is a waste. The, 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 <laughs> point. Yeah. 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 Even at 19 seconds. I, I, yeah, I see your point. It's only 19 seconds, but you know, if you're trying to claim to be this WCW champion, you know, you can't be going up against no marks like Cobra, who no one's seen. All the whole point of a squash match, right, is is to is you know enhancement talent building someone who needs building. Giant yeah. doesn't need building, right? He's just exactly. He's, exactly. he's, he's, he's fucking massive. What? Everybody knows the result prior to this happening. There is no point in it, and he's already. You know what I mean? Like the, 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 this does this serves no purpose, no purpose it, at all. It may serve no purpose, but you try telling that to Jimmy Hart, who, who <laughs> celebrates <laughs> evilly by by running and jumping into the arms of the giants, oh, who then holds him aloft. He holds him aloft, the giant. He holds him aloft <laughs> with one arm, while Hart is kicking his legs and laughing. And so he's a, <laughs> so he's the happiest man on planet Earth. I think, at this, this point. I can really feel that evil. I can really feel it. <laughs> this is criminal. Through. This is criminal <laughs> from Jimmy Hart. <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ! Um, oh dear. From there, <laughs> from there, we'll move on. From, I think we just best move on. From there, oh, we're in the we're in the red locker room with Mean Gene. Oh, it is the heel locker room as we come. All the heels are gathered around Mean Gene. There are no lockers or places to get changed, <laughs> as far as I can see. <laughs> Perfect timing, just as the camera starts rolling, the shark and Scott Norton, who were previously stood around just normally coexisting, they remember as soon as that camera's rolling, as soon as Mean Gene's talking, they remember the. I had that in my notes. (laughs) They were all fine until someone. Action! Shit, we ate each other. (laughs) They remember straight away as soon as that camera's rolling, start pushing and shoving. Thankfully, they, they resist the temptation to, to engage in full-blown combat. Um, <laughs> in amongst this band of jokers, I haven't got the full... I haven't got the full... I've got, I've got selects in the individual heels to, to comment on, but I didn't like how Flair... I know Flair's obviously the top heel, or among the top the Giants the top heel, but you know he wasn't. he's among the top heels, Flair. I didn't like he was grouped with this... Me neither. Did really collective, yeah, 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 agreed. Mid-card wankers. Yeah, I, I said that. Realistically, are some of those wrestlers that are an option for this interactive main event? <laughs> no, I know. Because I'm not, I'm not buying it. There's no one ringing in for, for the shark. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an option the but shark you, is not an option get him out with her I tell you who someone might have rang in for had this been 1995 the Blue Bloods it's the Blue Bloods <laughs> it's 2020 and I did 1-900-370-3WCW that's 1-900-370-3WCW multiple times I did it I had it got a, I got a dead dial tone each time but I persisted I, I wanted to see them <laughs> see those Blue Bloods I can imagine uh, your mum was mighty relieved you didn't know about this at the time because it would have racked up some phone bill. Rig it all the way to America. Get these get these blue buds on <laughs> on that show. But uh, anyway, following that, um, Mean Gene then he, he cuts he cuts to Tony Schiavone, who's in the who's in the face locker room. But but Gene makes one of the biggest hashes of the name Schiavone that I think it's possible to do without <laughs> making it sound like another name. He, he calls him Tony. Shivani, <laughs> Tony Shivani, Tony Shivani. He did. Oh, Tony Shivani. He did Who's that? Who's that, Gene? <laughs> <That's someone else. laughs> 
Uh, Shivani's in. The, he, we then we then pan to the, to the to the to the blue locker room, the face locker room. Shivani's in there. He's with Sting, Johnny B. Baditel. Sting is telling us he wants. He wants. He's desperate for a match with Flair. He really, really wants this match Shocking with Flair. Promo. Shocking. I wonder what the main event of this program yeah. is going to be. It's totally <laughs> random. It could be. It could be Johnny V. Bad with the shark. We don't know. Could literally be anything. And then we've got we've got a we've got a shot of Hacksaw Jim Duggan prowling around. He's he's, he's throwing things. He, he's grunting. His behaviour is very strange to say the least. Uh, what do you make of this, lads? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's atrocious. It's so bad. It's good. I think I was I was cracking up at this. It, this 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 livened up this uh, this whole segment for me because it was it was ridiculous. Like like I've already I've made note too. There's there's, there's clearly wrestlers there that are not going to be chosen for this main event. <laughs> yeah, fillers. So so Jim Duggan's just clearly thought, fuck this. I'm going to make a complete hash of this promo. I'm going to just start, in, you know, incoherently just shouting bollocks while, while, we're, while we're live. So I think, I think that the, the old TV adage of uh, never work with kids or animals can be altered to never work with kids, animals or hacks or something. Agreed. Ridiculous behavior. What is that face he pulls? Like he sort of, you know... He's like gurning, isn't he? <laughs> he gurns as he's like, Hi-oh, gurn! Like, what's, what's that? What the fuck is that? It's insane. Oh, oh, oh Christ! <laughs> oh, from that, from that, um, what? Well, I haven't even got a word to describe. No, I it. couldn't describe um, that. That crock of shit. <laughs> we move on to a, a brief advert for World War Three. We're reminded about the world's biggest battle royal coming up. Um, yeah, oh dear. I'm afraid. Be afraid. Be very afraid. From there, we get speaking of be afraid. Can I jump in there? I've got a question about this 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 next pay per view, right? So it's billed as free rings, yeah, free giants, right? Yeah, this is the first idea of so, this. So what's going on? Is is is, he, is the giant siblings getting involved in this or what? Like, where, where they get where get where they get the other two giants from? But again, not nothing explained. You're just left to just pick up the pieces and just you know try and and try and uh, muster up what's going to happen. Jambolic. We move on from there to the to a Hulk Hogan promo. Oh and, my god! Uh, I've I, I've seen some bad ideas on Nitro in these this short period of time we've been watching, <laughs> and I, de- I dare say, I dare say they'll never ever top the Yeti. But if <laughs> the bar wasn't lower than a fucking snake's ball bag, then this would surely have been this would surely have been the worst thing they've ever done. Aces up there. What yeah, was this supposed there. to be? Has anyone got any ideas here? Not a clue. Yeah, no not idea. a clue. I haven't got a clue what this is about. We've got, like, we've got some bloke with a really dirty beard and he's dressed as though he's part of some Arabian security detail. <laughs> with like, what are they... Like, he's, all he's missing is his curved sword, which the police have probably took off him. And he's got rollerblades on. <laughs> Classic combination. And, he, and, he, and he's... He's singing an ode to Hulk Hogan. He's got a guitar in his hand. Let, let's just start with that, right? Oh, sorry. Of... Yeah, yeah, sorry. I missed that. And then Hogan is sat on the back of a truck with Macho Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Macho's donned his own black threads. He's all, he's all black yeah. as well, yeah. Yep, he's... And Hogan is still wearing black. So now yeah. there's some kind of, you know, the, the, they're now doing this, we both wear black gimmick. Hogan tells us he has replaced Jimmy Hart with a guy sat in between them. There's a guy sat between Macho and Hogan, and this guy has assumed the role of Hogan's best friend, uh, <laughs> confidant, all these things, who looks for certain, looks for all the world that he's got a really bad case of sunstroke, this guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
At least, at least that's that's the least he's you know. Correct. I thought this was this was supposed to be a or was in actuality. I don't know if he's an actor or not. A homeless man. I thought that was the crack. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's almost certainly was homeless. There's no way he's got a home now. While he's spouting this stuff, the bloke, uh, the Arabian security guard, is. He is still playing his guitar during the promo and it's making this absolute felt really hard to hear, but I've noticed it that down. it's probably a good thing. Yeah, you're it's right. It's probably for yeah. the best. Um, Hogan explains to us that he wants Macho to join forces with him on the dark side. Um, Macho has a plan that differs slightly, so and then, I don't know what he was saying, and the man who's yeah. afflicted by either sunstroke or hard drugs, he's making incoherent noises as Macho Man speaks, so presumably agreeing with him. And then... Again, I'm not sure what the end result of the discussion was, but Hogan seems no. pleased with the outcome. I don't think this homeless person genuinely knows if those two people are like next to him or the part of his you know, <laughs> hallucination. <laughs> I'm pretty confident that this guy has seen Hulk Hogan and Macho Man on numerous occasions that, 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 <laughs> that, that, that week. You know, so this is just another chapter to this his. This is business you know, as usual for him. This is business as usual for him. It's just but, a Wednesday afternoon for this. Yeah, man. that's what I mean. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe WCW have said like yeah let's go with this guy you know? let's shoot this shoot all this we'll oh, put this is, on our yeah, international incredible. broadcast unbelievable no, um, it just, and then it finishes we go back to the studio but Hogan he makes no mention of last time we seen him getting flattened by a Yeti on paper I think that is no. something I mean I, I can, I'm all for them trying to sweep that fucking unsavory incident <laughs> so, yeah. strap it to a rocket and fire it into the sun I'm all for that right but that's exactly what I would have advised I would have advised exactly that but <laughs> <laughs> Do you not think though, Never speak of this again <laughs> I just think you'd at least allude Allude yeah. to something that happened to you In, in your previous appearance Like yeah. that was noteworthy Well we're back Thankfully thankfully we're back <laughs> Into the arena Where we're setting up a match between The Taskmaster He oh. shouldn't be wrestling on a weekly basis ever, uh, he's, he's wrestling the Renegade <laughs> The Renegade? Um, New one the Renegade, he's another unknown uh, with a kind yeah. of military uh, insurgent kind of name on the go. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Hart's back out again, Jesus Christ. Here he's got star of the show. Um, we've got another TMNS debutant, like you say, in the Renegade. He comes tear-arsing down at the ring. He really means business. Sprints down the gangway into the ring where he flattens the Taskmaster with a couple of clotheslines and the bell rings to start the match. Um Renegade's clothesline spree results in Taskmaster getting dumped out of the ring and we get the first clear shot of Jimmy Hart's jacket at this point so it's not it's another blazer it's not in the same league as the uh, the, the Hogan one no but, but I'm pop for this I like this strong stuff <laughs> Jimmy Hart's full face this time Jimmy Hart's full face oh, he's, he's got a mural of his own gizzard on his back <laughs> you can see his face on his face you can see his face on his back <laughs> oh man unbelievable oh, Hart is then issuing a, street, a continuous stream of instructions to the Taskmaster through a megaphone, despite him being stood right next to the Taskmaster. He's probably deafened him there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all verbiage from Hart is coming through a megaphone that he some for some reason has. On the outside, Taskmaster, he, he assumes control, presumably from uh, Jimmy Hart's yeah, tutelage. He's, he's used that advice and took control on the outside. Both men return to the ring. I've made note of Kevin Sullivan being way too old for this. He then steps outside the ring to bounce Renegade's head off the turnbuckle. Renegade is down. Taskmaster goes to vault over the top rope into a cannonball of some description. So with the agility of a giraffe on a tightrope, Kev then flings himself (laughs) over the rope. He lands onto Renegade's raised knees. 
And Taskmaster then makes no effort of selling it. He's just back up and he walks into more Renegade attacks. So Renegade's comeback is well and truly on here. Renegade he hits a, a running back elbow, which included a cartwheel for the sole purpose of showing Renegade can do a cartwheel. Good for him. Nice. Not all of us can. <laughs> <laughs> and then Renegade goes for another move while Taskmaster is stuck in the corner. The, the Taskmaster, he evades. He darts out of the way. Rolls back the years, 30, 40, 50 years maybe, and gets out of the way. Um, and Renegade is then dangling perilously in, in Steve's favourite position, the, the Tree of Woe, as you, you, you <laughs> pointed in. out earlier. <laughs> Best move ever. Best move ever. <laughs> uh, Sullivan then, then um, rounds this off by hitting a running knee. Renegade lands perfectly on his back, so um, allowing Sullivan to climb the second rope. He drops a two-footed stomp on Renegade's midriff. And our friend Tim Patrick counts the pin. One, two, three. <laughs> yes, Tim. <laughs> Good on you, Tim. Done it. <laughs> Come on, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so it would appear that two matches under the cards of the interactive episode of Night Row, the pain public have had no say in either of those two matches. But nevertheless, we plough on because Mean Gene is in the red locker room with the heels. <laughs> We've got the Shark and Scott Norton again. The coexisting relative harmony. As soon as that camera starts rolling, <laughs> right again. Hostilities have been renewed yet again. <laughs> At the start of this segment, they quickly leave afterwards, presumably to go fight somewhere else. Because why would you want to get it on camera, of course? Um, the lights. The lights go out in the room. This is all really going to shit in it. The lights go out in the room. <laughs> There's wrestlers just walking around yeah. in and out of shot. This is this is Duggan again, of course. Of course it is. I think this is the cleaner <laughs> at this point. Like, are you are you, are you done in there yet? Come on. <laughs> it's not a locker room. Come on. I've got I've got to empty this. Not a locker room. Yeah. There's no lockers in there. I've got to empty this bucket. Come on. You've had your time. Oh, what is this? Uh, Flair does a promo. He gets he goes in classic Flair fashion. He kind of owns the lighting malfunctioning as part of that. Which <laughs> of course is, he does. He's thank God he's here. Cause yeah, he's, he's salvaging <laughs> this crock of shit. Um, Flair's mad keen on a match with Sting. He begs, he's begging the people at home to make it happen. I, I wonder it. if they will. And then we were back in the ring. Chris Benoit is entering as, as Bischoff tries to offer some mitigation for Hogan's previous promo. He's on the dark side, Bischoff tells us. He, he then questions what's happening with Hogan. Uh, judging by the company he's keeping, I guess he's sleeping in a park and doing an ungodly amount of heroin. <laughs> oh, um, Chris Benoit's on the way to the ring, of course, because he's, he's got a match with uh, Eddie Guerrero. Yes. He should be superb. Yeah. And the bell rings in somewhat unfair fashion because Eddie's still doing his stretches on the ropes, not looking. <laughs> Bell's gone. Right. I hate to, to, to jump in when you, you, you're you ready to... He's in full flow. In, in full flow there, but the, 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 there was something here that was that was said on comms about the uh, the show, the Saturday show, right? Um, the, the, I just the, tend to skip these things now. I just oh, you can't, you can't. No, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I often do that, but this this was too good to miss. Um, so, so, so they te- so they teased the debut of Disco Inferno's music video. Oh fuck, they did. I did. That, I did that, see that. That's, completely that, missed that's this news to yeah, me. They did. Yeah, so so that's going to be on the uh, on the, on the weekend program. So that's something to look forward to. And then this, the next thing is the brilliant the brilliant part of this. So all they say is. Jim Duggan is going to Ireland and that's it. <laughs> yeah, 
So is he going on holiday? <laughs> I do. Is he going to an asylum? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? But looking back at his his, his conduct on this program, <laughs> who said I'm all in, be accompanied? I'm all in. I'm all in for this. I want to see Jim Duggan go to Ireland. <laughs> see Jim Duggan in the airport. Try and navigate that. I'm going to do it. Jim Marching get- from gate to gate with two before <laughs> in hand. He'd be tasered. He'd be tasered in seconds. Yeah. Anything to declare. <laughs> two by four goes straight. <laughs> oh, I'm all in for this. I, I, hope, I, hope, I hope we get something from this next week. Jim Duggan's going to Ireland. Fucking hell. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, right. All right. Well, 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 from that absolute amazing piece of information that <laughs> <laughs> I should have picked up on. <laughs> We get Jim Duggan goes to <laughs> Can you think of anything worse? What can we do with Jim Duggan? Read a programme for Duggan. What can we do? Uh, Where, we put him where's Foodist away from here? <laughs> shall we put him in a feud? We want a dungeon of doom. No, too obvious. <laughs> Send him to Ireland, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. Jim Duggan goes to Ireland. It might be like a... a w- it might be like a weird alternative to like Debbie Does Dallas kind of thing. <laughs> I hope not, but you never know with the WCW. Duggan Does Terry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duggan Does Dublin. Yeah, I was say, Dublin was the obvious one. Too fast, too furious. You have. You've got one option. does Donegal. What's this about? Yeah. I mean, I'm pointless, though. Steve. You, you'd, you'd have nailed it, Derry. Oh, man. Oh, I'm just man. thinking Derry Girls. I had Derry Girls with Duggan popping up in the yeah. background in my head. That's why. Duggan goes to Ireland. This should be a spin off. Jim Duggan goes to Ireland should be a spin off. should, it should. I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in for that. Duggan goes to Ireland. That's, that's got to be on the network somewhere. Of course it has. Of course it has. We dig oh, that out. It's got, to be, it's got to be that, and you know he's got he's got a tree before <laughs> or a tree by tree. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't skip the uh, the Saturday thing ever again. No. No. You've just oh, the throwing times in there. Jim Duggan goes to Ireland. I was so pumped when I heard that that uh, that that tease. I mean, obviously the disco inferno, the disco inferno part. I wasn't asked about, but Duggan goes to Ireland. I was all in on that. I was like, get in. Sat nights are off. Let's see. Let's see. Duggan goes to Ireland. <laughs> I mean, what, what would that look like? It's just Jim, Jim in fucking t- Temple Bar. <laughs> entering various pubs every time hi oh get out okay <laughs> just knocking Guinness over with a two by four get out oh, god it's too oh, funny man. oh fucking Jim Christ Jim Duggan goes to Ireland <laughs> so after that uh, revelation we're back in the ring and Ed distracted Eddie Guerrero it's still warming up, of course. It, it allows Chris Benoit, Chris Benoit to start on the offensive in the match. He, it's a snap Sloopex early doors, a couple of chops, a massive backdrop. Eddie Guerrero's a full 90 degrees. Legs, legs and back are a full 90 degrees. Super. And this yeah. is an intense, intense start to proceedings. Speaking of which, um, we follow that monster backdrop with a monster spine buster that dumps Eddie right on the back of his head and Benoit straight into some kind of Walls of Jericho type manoeuvre. Yeah, yeah. 
the hold is broken. We cut away to a shot of, of, of the Japanese guests from last week. There's more, there's more uh, Japanese, the Japanese contingent has grown. And uh, they're seated close to ringside this time. They're eating sushi, they're drinking sake. As if, right? As if you would go to a foreign land and not go like, I'm going to go to America and sample American food, right? They've gone there. I'm going to go there and want to eat exactly what I ate at home. It's like, arena, going? arena sushi as well. Arena sushi. It's, it's not even a minging, minging. Yeah, cobblers. Um, <laughs> many of them are wearing sunglasses. It's all very strange. Um, <laughs> a, a Bishop then quizzes Heenan as to what they're doing and as to what Heenan is planning because, of course, Heenan was linking up with these guys or, or, or a smaller contingent of these guys yeah, uh, last week. We, we're, still, we're still looking for for resolutions to that particular we conundrum. Are, we are indeed. But anyway, while that's happening, uh, we miss presumably Benoit getting a two count and return to the ring with the Canadian going for a powerbomb, but Eddie reverses it into an arm drag and follows up with a very, very appealing tilt-the-world slam. Lovely stuff. Super. Yeah, Eddie Guerrero. Gorgeous. From there, Eddie Guerrero, he's in, he's in, he's in full control now. He's in full, he's, uh, Benoit tries to take some refuge on the outside from Guerrero's relentless mm-hmm. attacks. Now, this creates the opportunity for Guerrero to hit a big dive from the top turnbuckle, which he does with a plum oh, from a, a huge height. Uh, it gets a bit of a reaction from the crowd, but I don't think they're truly appreciating no, the, uh, the quality. No, I didn't. nowhere near what it deserved. It was, it was a bit no. of a damn squib. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're dead right. Well said. I mean, in hindsight, all them people, I can imagine there's a lot of wankers in that crowd who weren't asked about it, who were going to be saying nowadays, oh, I saw Chris Benoit and Guerrero have a match when they were, you know, before they were famous and all I this. Agree, and yeah, I completely yeah, definitely. No one was asked. No one was asked at the time. And while we're on things about no one being asked, did any of you see the England game the other night? Because that, that was a weird time to drop that in, wasn't it? In the middle of a Chris Benoit and Guerrero match. A weird time to ask that question yeah, about that's, the that's, England. Yeah, that's taking me by surprise. Yeah, blind side on yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Like I say, it's a good job I'm not the lead commentator in an internationally broadcast wrestling show, as Bischoff does something very, very similar next. Because <laughs> as we return to the ring, Bischoff says, we've, we've nothing before it. And did you see the guy sitting in the middle of Hogan and Savage? I mean... And he rambles on about Venice Beach, Venice Beach being a scary place. You're dead right. It was absurd. Absolutely This would have been absurd. all been... It would have been all been well and good if anyone was talking about it at the time, but nobody was. And it's just <laughs> focusing on the action like it should be, Eric. Uh, we get a, a big <laughs> vertical suplex from Eddie. Oh, lovely, <laughs> lovely this. Yeah, huge, quality. huge. And then he climbs to the top rope himself. Benoit's down for a while, but then he's up. And quicker than a cat who's been training with Mo Farah's coach, he scales the turnbuckle <laughs> and he nails his opponent with a superplex. And this Gorgeous. is quality stuff. But again, the crowd are not asked. Yeah, it didn't get a pop. What yeah. the fuck not is this? Asked. What, this was massive. This was one of the biggest superplexes I have ever seen. Stunning. Disappointing from the crowd. Um, we get a little bit of a cheer slightly just after this when uh, when Benoit smashes Eddie with a big power bomb gets a two count oh, huge thud as Eddie goes crashing yeah, absolute unbelievable boom. force that Benoit sends Guerrero running the ropes allowing Guerrero to roll Benoit with a similar move to what enabled the future Latino Heat to score a win over Craig Pittman last week but yeah. Benoit kicks out of this one like, what is that is it, it's like it's like it's like a, like a head scissors but, he, he, round, but the legs go round the, round the waist yeah, yeah, yeah. Scissors. yeah, yeah, yeah. and but then bounces up and down yeah. and rolls doesn't he and we get another roll up from Eddie straight after he's, he's trying to wrap things up here. That it's Fair play. After, he would. Great. This comes after countering um, what a Benoit knee to the midsection. Um, but then Benoit comes close to a win of his own with, with consecutive two counts that follow German and fisherman suplexes oh, in the bridges. That looked stunning. Fuck yeah. me. These were brilliant. Especially the German suplex. That oh, was like unbelievable. Poetic. Absolutely poetic. And then the bridge, the arcing bridge. Jesus. Benoit now following these two suplexes has, a, has a, the upper hands. He 
he, he goes to hang Benoit up with a kind of as if he's going to vertical suplex and then drops him forwards onto the onto the rope hanging him up there just before he does uh, Bischoff tells us to get on the blower and sort out the main event for the evening so I may have misheard previously but I don't recall them selling the interactive part of being just decide what the main event is but now that's very clearly what Bischoff's going with um, <laughs> back in the ring Eddie's on the apron and Benoit's in the ring and, and we go to some kind of lock up with his adversary, Benoit's kind of as if he's going to suplex him back in. But this leads to both both rivals windmilling one another with right hands to wake the unappreciative fucking crowd. Yeah. Don't know what they're witnessing. They wake them up a little bit. They get a bit, a bit of a bit of a cheer from these both of them swinging fists at each other before Benoit then suplexes Eddie back into the squared circle. Um, Eddie counters this as he's up in the air for the suplex. He counters this into a crossbody. Oh, great. Follows it up with a cover. The ref begins his count. Benoit, though, has got two feet on the ropes, but the Brilliant. ref's poor position. Should have got Tim Patrick in for this one. Should he never would have missed <laughs> yeah. it. it this, this causes the ref to miss yeah. uh, Benoit's foot on the ropes. And, yeah, the ref counts to three. And he steals one, in, in effect. Because yeah, obviously he should never he counted. But yeah. Fantastic match. Fantastic match. Superb. We get Sting doing a bit of a shouty promo with uh, terrible, with, terrible with, with Shivani. It's it's very very annoying, as you say. So if you're if you're this angry, you wouldn't have waited patiently for the mic while Shivani does his phone in bit. Like you would you would just be like, "Give me this mic, I'm so angry." Do you know what I mean? Correct. Uh, all the while, Johnny B. Bad is grinning into oh the camera God. like a complete buffoon, <laughs> oh and, and a lad decked in luminous green from head to toe, I, I think, is one of the nasty boys. He, he, he's stroking a chicken, so uh, yeah, yeah, nothing I, to see here, guys. <laughs> Everything was all completely normal in the in the, in the babyface locker room. Insane. Bischoff tells us it's really not a surprise, in his own words. Is it not, Eric, that the fans have pitted Flair and Sting against one another for the interactive main event? I am shocked. Mr. JLV <laughs> the Shark was not served up here. I can't believe no one went for that. Hang on here. Like, what, what, what was the winning margin of this? I want to see a bar chart or something or other. <laughs> you can't just say, yeah, we're having Sting and Ric Flair. You, you basically fleeced all, your, all of your viewers. You want some of the observers in the room, Liam? Is that what you're laughing yeah, about? Yeah. It's not valid. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> annoyed with this uh, totally annoyed with this Ebenezer Bishop. the shark and jail could have uh, they could have won this election by a lot I want, I want, to, graph it. I want to see the winning percentage here <laughs> um, after the after Bishop's revelation um, Mongo has got some shit patter while Heenan is slurping some sake that he's been sent by his Japanese guests <laughs> um, Sting he, he makes his entrance to, to some cheers from the crowd the crowd are up for Sting unlike they were the previous match shitheads um Flair struts his way to the ring as well he, then Sting he's so angry he's going to get out and get him before he gets to the ring but Flair grabs a girl puts him between the two really like this top 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 shithouse behaviour uh, <laughs> in the ring um, Flair gets on the apron he's talking jive and Sting then is so frustrated he's, he's just going to take matters in his own hands he's going to get things started he, he hoys Flair straight over the ropes into the ring and he's unloading he's unloading blows as the bell goes which is obviously you get the sense that Sting is mad at Flair you get, you get a clearer sense that he's mad at him just from randomly shouting into a microphone um, you get a big press slam from Sting early doors Flair's begging for mercy as Sting unloads the old 10 punches on the turnbuckle Sting then ejects the nature boy to the outside where the lads have a little little bit of a chop off chops going back and forth um, Flair constantly is begging off Sting is backing away as Sting advances towards him but he eventually Flair gets a thumb to the eye the dirtiest player in the game before then suplexing Sting 
on the outside. Flair's then strutting around as the crowd boo. And we, and we cut to a break. We get a plug for World War Three no. during this break. And then we're back. We're back into the ring. And Flair's working over a grounded sting and suddenly locks in a figure four, which he leverages by grabbing the ropes. Whenever the ref's back is turned again, loved how he was timing this, letting go of the ropes when the ref was looking, yeah. grabbing him again, letting go, grabbing him again. Again, first class shithouse behavior from Ric Flair. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Sting is writhing about in pain but then but then as you've alluded to earlier Steve he does begin to he begins to power his way he's hulking up a little bit he begins to power his way to the middle of the ring with the hole still on it's, it's affecting him a bit less and less and less and then makes a big deal of it once he has got there once he's in the middle and he kind of powers it he ro- rolls over to reverse the hold Flair breaks down, releases it almost instantly because he can't handle the, the intense pain he's in and then Mongo I've I've I've, I've abstained from commenting on Mongo now because it, it's, it's, I've tried hard to avoid it but he at this point says something so egregious in my mind that I, I just couldn't let it go he says he hasn't seen anybody get out of the hole like that as in as in by Sting flipping it over which is it's, it's, it's a spot that happens almost every match so I'd barely seen any WCW prior to this watch through as I mentioned at the start and I had followed much of Flair's career beforehand but given that the rollover when in figure four spot occurs all the time, you think plenty of people have got out of the figure four the same way Sting did. But yeah, there you go. He then, he then struggles to his feet after being in the figure four for a while. He's selling it. He's doing a bit of selling. Um, but he's hooked up at this stage and now he is, he's borderline invincible. It would take a, a bazooka of some kind to, to, to put Sting down. So Flair starts drilling his midriff with lefts and right, but Sting no sells that. The Stinger then sells Flair running the ropes. He, he hits another big press. Slam. I think I think Sting needs a few more moves. He does a lot of press yeah, slams, doesn't he? There must be the, like, we lot. must be on four or five at this point. Yeah, he, he does a lot. Um, Flair then he and kills his momentum with it with, a, with another thump to the eye. So then Flair then throws Sting to the outside. He goes off the apron with a double axe handle to Sting's back, which looked really good. He then works over the eyes a bit more in another another classic heel spot, and then he goes for a chair. He goes for a chair. <laughs> he runs a long distance. As though he's gonna fucking right, I'm gonna give this guy some serious head injury here. Uh, he runs a full, a good twenty yards, as though he's gonna twat at Sting right around the Albonce. Um, but the ref interjects, thankfully, and removes the chair. Flair and the ref then have a bit of a shoving match, which, as alluded to, is gonna is gonna cost Flair some money. But of course, as Heenan points out, Flair doesn't care because he's got loads of that. Um, Bischoff says there's announce there's an announcement coming at the end of the show, guys. There's an announcement coming. There's an announcement come footage. <laughs> Christ alive, Bishop. I think Bishop's the one was asked about this fucking giant Hogan thing. But anyway, uh, Sting's in, he's in a bad way at this point. His his mini hug up is uh is worn off. And Flair goes for a kill with multiple covers in succession, all of which he gets his feet on the ropes for, rapid fire covers, and all of which Sting kicks out of. Um, Flair then gets up and shouts something at the crowd. He pops up with his feet, hurls some abuse, and this is what gets the biggest reaction of the night. So there's people have shouted and hurled abuse at Flair for his... Uh, his particular volley of abuse he's given them. Uh, Sting then goes close to the backslide not long after this. Flair gets up, gets another thump of the eye, the third of the match I've counted. I'm thinking at this point, if you were wrestling Ric Flair, if you just wore goggles, <laughs> I don't think he'd, never be able to, he'd never be able to stop you, would he? 
you won't be, uh, be able to stop you. Flair, obviously, after this stump of the eye, he uses this as a chance to climb the turnbuckle. Sting recovers quickly enough, though, to launch Flair off the top with another kind of press slam variation, because, of course, Sting loves one of those. Flair gets mega height on this bump. He, he goes mega high, crashes down onto the mat, and then he goes cowering at the corner, but Sting doesn't let up. He lands a few big rights before the ref intervenes. Sting then picks up the ref and, and carries him to the opposite corner, as though the ref was was a small child. Yeah, um, yeah bonkers. This distraction handily allows Ric Flair to grab some knuckle dusters, which he uses to lay Sting right in the face, and he follows it up with a bit of taunting, a bit of his, you know, the old strut and whatnot, an elbow drop, a kind of lack of, and then a lackadaisical cover-up that nature's convinced, the nature boy is absolutely certain he's won this. Doesn't need to hook a leg or anything like that. But what's this? He hasn't won. He hasn't, because... The Sting has kicked out on two. Uh, Flair then, he then starts chopping Sting, but Sting, he's, yeah, he's doing his hook-up spot again, and Sting is no-selling. He's not selling any of this, having none of this rubbish. And then we get another, of course we do, another press slam. It's Flair with that before he superplexes him off the top, and then Sting puts on the old Scorpion Deathlock, which Flair taps out of almost instantly again. Didn't like Flair doing this. Sting, he's so mad, he's so, he's so desperate to... Uh, inflicts some pain on Flair after being double-crossed by him. He won't break this hold. He's got him in the death lock and he's keeping him in there. You're going to be in there for a while. Nature boy, you better get used to this. Get comfortable. Um, <laughs> they send some refs out to intervene. They're not, they're not getting anything involved. This bitch tells us Luger's coming out, but the refs get to the ring before him. And then Mr. JL gets to the ring before him. And then Eddie Guerrero gets to the ring before him. Think, <laughs> it, is Luger coming here, Bischoff? Can I interject here for a moment because I was losing my mind here. Right. How many times was the bell rung here? Because I, <laughs> I stopped counting at ten, right? I, 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 right, this is doing nothing. This is doing nothing to defuse the situation. Get in, get off your ass, and get in the back, and go and get some proper authority uh, figures to stop this. Stop ringing that pissing bell. <laughs> Even when half the locker room was there, none of which were none of which were Luger, by the way. Half the locker room, none of them were Luger. None of them were actually forcing him to get off. They were just trying to talk about them. Say, come on, Sting. Come on now, <sighs> Sting. Just stop it, Sting. Sting, will you? Sting, will you stop that? You can't sting, no, stop it. Ringing that fucking bell over and over again, man. I nearly had an episode. Any time I was in work this week, when when a bell went, I was just ready to just go absolute Jim Duggan. <laughs> you thought someone was in the sharpshooter somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, thought, you thought someone was in the Scorpion Death Locker, you were running away. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't handle it, honestly. I, I, it was just a ridiculous amount of time to be yeah. ringing this bell. It clearly wasn't working. It's not effective. Stop doing it. Uh, following this in amongst the bell ringing the rampant bell ringing Duggan then ambles his way Jim Duggan with his, his plane tickets to Ireland in his back pocket he ambles out like like the Neanderthal that he is and he's, yeah. he's tries, he tries to pull Sting off but, <laughs> why is he coming down why is he coming down yeah, I think in, in fairness to Duggan who, who's who's acting like he's, he's got the least brain cells among everyone I'm thinking why didn't the others try this at least he's tried the most logical thing here and then <laughs> and then and then the faces the faces try to escort Sting to the back the faces go on Sting he's had enough Sting you've really you've really flipped a bit there Sting you need to go and calm down go on a drink of water think about what you're doing Sting's like, ah, shut up shut up no I'm not doing this and he decides he's not finished he's going back to the <laughs> ring you shut up Jim Duggan you shut up I'm going back in there and he, get, he gets Flair back in the Scorpion Deathlock. <laughs> He's back in, the bell's ringing again. The face is trying to prise Sting away, but to no avail, I can't get over. And now, and finally, here's Luger. Here comes Luger. Bischoff's cue was so fucking early. You idiot, Bischoff. Oh, yeah, you yeah. idiot. 
Absolute amateur. Uh, Luger ambles to the ring. He has a quiet word with Sting, and then Sting finally relents the assault on Flair. So St- Luger's some kind of horse, scorpion whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's it. Really, an evident trait of Luger's. There. We uh, we mentioned this last week, didn't we? About Sting and the um, this was this is quite very heel behaviour, wasn't it? Refusing to, to 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 drop the submission hold, and we, we we did allude to this last week about this 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 vacant position and the horseman kind of thing, and. Um, that only adds fuel to the fire. But Luger yeah. and Sting, they, they depart together, much to the bemusement of Bischoff on comms. Though it must be said that Bischoff couldn't remember when Luger was due to hit the ring during the flare assault, so the evidence suggests, you know, baffling Bischoff is no great accolade. Um, yeah. Following this, the big announcement comes. We've got an interview with with the Dungeon of Doom's key men. So we've got the Taskmaster, we've got the Giant, and we've got the disgustingly, sickeningly unrelentingly evil Jimmy Hart in the ring uh, Jimmy Hart starts speaking he starts speaking he starts rinsing Hogan's shit movies love this Jimmy Hart so Jimmy, <laughs> but I must point out the uh, but the evilness of, of, of making jokes about someone's bad movies it does make uh, Saddam Hussein look like Paul Daniels at this stage um, <laughs> Jimmy Hart reveals reveals to us he has the power of attorney for something I mean, the reveal is coming, but no. he, he just said, I've got I have the power of attorney. Um, he then he then makes reference to Hogan's new best friend, Macho Man Randy Savage. Jimmy Hart says he signed the contract for the Giants match versus Hogan because he had the power of attorney to do so. Uh, WCW now seem to be doing legal small print angles as well. I think there's too much of this going on. There is too much legal fucking... Yeah clauses in contracts and you didn't read the small print carefully things going on here and this is annoying they've definitely uh, seen Clarence Mason haven't they and thought like let, let, mm. let's 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 try and go as close to the edge as possible as we can with this yeah Jimmy Hart says yeah, he added he added a clause in Hogan's contract that says if Hogan gets DQ'd in the title match at Havoc, then the Giant would win the title. And then we drag in some WCW legal team member to explain the nuts and bolts of this. So the legal guy, just again, a random gap novice I've ever seen before. He's no Clarence Mason, let me add off the bat. Mm. He goes on to tell us that Jimmy Hart did indeed have the power of attorney. And that makes perfect sense because he was Hogan's best friend, confidant and guardian of the WCW <laughs> title. And of course he had a power of attorney. Who else would? Um, but the legal guy specifies that the Giant is not the champion. Even despite all these these, these um, stipulations that, that Jimmy Hart has, has laid out, the Giant is not the champion. This is, this is not legally binding. The gaffer Nick Bockwinkel has issued a statement saying that due to the dubious nature of the DQ, the title will be held up and is now going to be up for grabs at the 60-man Battle Royal at World War Three. The title is now on the line. I think the, uh, the prospective winner of this match now is about as obvious as the main event of this show was going to be, <laughs> but we'll, uh, we, can, we can move on with that. The outrage amongst the heels is, is palpable at this stage. And what will the depraved, subhuman, evil Jimmy Hart do to stop this legal guy <laughs> taking the belt? I'm now expecting we're going to cut away to a shot of the legal guy's family being, being held up in some, some shed where gasoline is being poured everywhere and someone's about to strike a match and drop it in under the proviso. That they're all going to be dead unless the legal guy makes the giant the champion because, of course, Jimmy Hart is evil and that's what you would do if you were evil. But Jimmy Hart doesn't do any of that. <laughs> instead, instead, he forms some some pathetic <laughs> looking barrier between himself and the giant and says, you, you, can't, you can't take this belt. You can't take this belt. Oh. <laughs> That's all he's got. That's all he's got. Um, the giant then gets on the mic and gives us an insight of the 2020 presidential election, nailing a Donald Trump impression. He says, 
I'm not giving up this belt. It's mine. This is mine. It's not your belt. This is my belt. <laughs> not giving it up to you. Not giving it up to anybody. Not now. Not ever. Taskmaster then furthers this ridiculous metaphor by suggesting this is all part of WCW's agenda. It's all a fix. Reluctantly, the Taskmaster kind of sees sense. He uses a bit of logic that Giants... Who's going to beat you in this battle royal? And I, 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 if I was a giant, I'd be thinking, well, Hulk Hogan, you know, they really did give me a run for my money and it was really difficult and I was going to lose that match. Hang on, hang on, Jim, me. hang on, Jim. There's, there's, there's two other giants in the uh, the battle royal. Of course, well, of course. <laughs> the giant seems unaware of these. Like, just like me, <laughs> Taskmaster convinces the giant that he's going to win this 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 battle royal anyway, so he may as well give the belt over and win it later on. But, I mean, if, if you know, he has the belt now, so why give it over and... and have the match in the first place but nevertheless let's not pick through the bones because we'd be here for a long time um, Mean Gene then sends us back to comms while Jimmy Hart who's ruthlessly evil remember bemoans yeah. the seeming failure of the WCW to follow the letter of the law as he widely points to the small print of his contract <laughs> comms then closes out by Bischoff telling us Earth has just been shattered by the news that the title will be on the line in the 60-man battle royal. He then sells us on the fact that there's going to be this is going to be great because we've never seen this many people in a battle royal before, which leads me to believe Bischoff's never seen a battle royal of any kind because <laughs> it's shite when there's 10 of them, never mind fucking oh, 60. How bad, was, um, how bad was the 20-man battle royal on... Uh, oh, Christ. Oh, Christ. Uh, we finish off quickly by saying he then tells us what a violent spectacle it's going to be. Mongo says some things that I can't really understand, and that is your lot, everybody. So that was WCW Monday Nitro. And now for our ratings builders and killers. Liam, kick us off with your Nitro ratings builders. Okay, so builder number one for Nitro this week. Um, clearly at the top uh, was Ric Flair. Um, Super. Undoubtedly the, the, the biggest star on the show this week. Um, great as a heel, as I've mentioned to before, in the way he orchestrates a crowd, uh, is superb you know, the detail um, and you know, I'm being honest, I didn't really appreciate him once he made the switch over to WWE, no, me neither. Um, but going back, going back, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed every moment of Ric Flair on Nitro uh, so far, so ho- hopefully more of him, uh, because he is you know Great in the ring and even better when he is winding the crowd up. So <laughs> clearly builder number one this week. Agreed. Um, builder number two um, is Chris Benoit. Okay, I thought the match uh, with Benoit and, and Eddie Guerrero was by far the best match on the card. Yeah. Um, although it didn't get much pop from the crowd, which was surprising. You know, Jim did point that out. Yeah, true. Uh, there's some, some fantastic moves on the show there. <sighs> But I am I am becoming more and more impressed with Benoit as the Nitro shows are going on. Yeah. Some of the uh, some of the suplexes and the the power bombs he uh, he dishes out. I know I know it I know it takes a good performer in Eddie as well to to, to get those over and, and, yeah. and you know the bumps he does provide are fantastic. But I am becoming really impressed with Benoit uh, so far. So he, he's my builder number two, and then builder number three. Although you know quite ridiculous. Um, he just cracked me up this week so Jim Duggan is <laughs> my builder number three um, 
Yeah, Excellent. he had some he had some time this week, and he you know he made the most of it. You know, <laughs> he he, any any chance he was banging something against you know a bin or a table. His two by four was getting rattled every now and again. <laughs> we had we had steel chairs flying across rooms. We had incohesive you know ramblings in front of screens, and then we had an absolute gem of an idea that they've proposed that he will go to Ireland. Hacksaw and I cannot, holiday. I cannot wait to see <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan on vacation with the 2x4 in Ireland. Perfect. In the Emerald Isle. In the Emerald Isle. Cannot wait to see the spin-off. Brilliant. I'm with you now, Liam, as well. So my builders were build number one, Eddie versus Benoit. A different pace from these lads these week. I, I loved how much screen time they were given. They're clearly, you know, clocking it and fair play to WCW. They are, they are registering and giving them more time each week and, and rightfully so because they are earning it and they are the most exciting thing on any of the shows we're watching at the moment. Full stop for me. Um, it was different from, it was nice to see. There was a bit more range to it. It was a slower pace match. It wasn't quite as fast and furious as some of their prior ones. So they're showing, you know, they can, they can, they can fill some, some, some airtime as required and make it a really compelling match nonetheless. Just as you said, Liam, some of the moves were superb, both in terms of execution and in, in receiving them. And I uh, loved it and want to see more of these, these lads. And it sounds like we're going to get it, which is fantastic. Build number two, Jimmy Hart's blazer. Emblazoned with his own face, this thing was a work of art and perfect heel stuff. I can quite happily see a bit more of this lad in heel mode. This this now works for me. He didn't as a face. I'm starting to get it now. And and his, his blazer in itself, just that plus the megaphone regaling almost pointless encouragement and advice to, to Taskmaster in particular worked for me. Great stuff. Build number three, Ric Flair in action. The eye rakes, the shithousery, the taunt strutting, all excellent. Jim, take us through your Nitro ratings builders. Building one is is, is straight up good wrestling. So we've had, we've had Flair v. Sting, good match, Guerrero v. Benoit, excellent match. Both of them very enjoyable. Um, and mm. yeah, it just struck me how, how, how funny it is that when you keep things simple like that, it kind of works out all right. Um <laughs> Builder number two is uh, not so much the. In- if I was to say to you that the interactive element of the show was my second ratings builder, that would be in itself a falsehood. But <laughs> I was expected, as as Liam had said, lost Liam had said last week. Um, I read the subtitles and I was fearing. <laughs> Like he was, I was fearing disaster. I got the message loud and clear. I was fearing chaos here, and I don't Armageddon. think, yeah, I was, I was fearing it, but it didn't really deliver on that, did it? And that was a good thing. Sure. I think somewhat of a relief that it, that it could have been such a train wreck. We just had a few shits like backstage spots, and then a fake, like a main event that that wasn't clearly, clearly wasn't organised by the people. But um, <laughs> like, that's fair. Yeah, so he wasn't as, as anywhere near as bad as it could have been. So I'll give him, Agreed. I'll give him a kudos for that. Yeah. And uh, builder number three, I think he was in there last week from me. And uh, Steve, you've already, you've already mentioned him as well. It's Jimmy Hart again. Building ah, three, nice. He's, everything about him at the minute. He's the star of the show. He's, 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 he's clobbered. His, his attempts at being evil. I'm, I'm, all, I'm excited to see what he's going to do next week. And Hot property. though, yeah, I don't think my excitement is for the reasons that. 
WCW hoping it would be four, but nevertheless, <laughs> I think he's great value and yeah, can't wait to see what he's got in store for us uh, next week. Superb stuff. Liam, take us through your Nitro ratings killers. Okay, so killer number one has to be the Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage promo. <laughs> what were they thinking here? What were they thinking here? Well why, why, why were they both dressed in black? <laughs> why were they at Venice speech? Why did they have a homeless guy, you know, sat in between them both? Why did they have a guy playing a guitar on roller skates? It didn't make any sense. It just shows, just shows how much uh, influence Hulk Hogan has on this company. Yeah, uh, you're right. Even though he wasn't right. at the actual arena, he still has to get himself across in some way. Yeah. Um, pointless, totally pointless for me. It and was. as we as we've mentioned on the pod. Uh, he didn't make, or if, if he did make any any communication towards his, you know, him losing the belt, we did. I didn't. I didn't hear that no. at the time. No. Um, and he didn't make any indication towards the uh, the match at Halloween Havoc. So God knows what they were talking about. But <laughs> shambolic killer number two. I'm going to go for the Giants. And my my gripe with the Giants is we've got a huge, a huge, well conditioned bloke, and I don't know if he can wrestle. Yeah, I'm not convinced yeah. this guy can wrestle. Yeah, because I've only seen a bear hug or a choke slam. <laughs> That's all I've seen. If we go back to Halloween Havoc when yeah. he, when he was in the main event, it was you know the the times that he was actually showing some kind of wrestling ability was him doing really slow and shit submission holds on yep. Hulk Hogan. Yeah, um, and if you're going to try and push this guy, and you should do because he's he's massive and you know he's the right he's the right kind of heel that you want as your as your your belt holder, your main belt holder. Yeah. You've got to get him wrestling more. And then number three, I'm going to go Eric Bischoff. Um, <laughs> Eric Bischoff on comms this week was was far worse than Mongo. Yeah, um, I wouldn't disagree. The amount of errors, that they, they, they just tallied up all the way through the show. He was making countless errors on comms. He's coming across as really stupid. Um, and and when, you, when, you're, when you've got Mongo above you on the, uh, on the comms hierarchy... You know the, the red lights should be uh, should be going off. Um, he's had a shocker this week, Bischoff. Um, so that's why he's on he's on my uh, on my killers board. So for me, killer number one, Taskmaster in the ring. Oh, this guy's terrible. It's just painful. It's like watching, you know, weird uncle at a wedding in the ring trying to cut it with everyone else on the dance floor. You know what I mean? It's the, it's that equivalent. It's it's bad. Killer number two. Giant versus Cobra. The only saving grace of this match that I can think is that it was impossibly short. 19 seconds. 19 seconds. Thank you, the nitpicker. That was all this match deserved, and even that was probably pushing it. And killer number three, Eric Bischoff preempting Luger. I know you've said Bischoff in general, Liam, and I wouldn't be quite so, so, so wide sweeping and harsh on Bischoff. I would just say the Luger mishap was just unforgivable. He said Luger's on his way to the ring whilst we can clearly see the gantry and there is no Lex Luger to be seen. What a fucking amateur hour episode this all was. Jim, what were your Nitro ratings killers? Killer number one is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Again, I, always, I know Liam's going to hate this and this is before <laughs> I knew he was going to Ireland. But hey, <laughs> we had... <laughs> we had a fully grown man throughout this show multiple times behaving in a way that no a normal person would behave and I just I just did not get it at all 
don't put him on my telly again unless it's in Ireland <laughs> enough killer number two is the Hogan promo with, with the homeless meth addicts I just <laughs> Again, I, like 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 you said, Liam. I doubt it, it's coincidence that every dreadful idea on this program has Hulk Hogan right in the middle of it. He is the epicenter yeah. of all stamps, stamps all over it, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. agreed. Tripe. Absolutely reeks of Hulk Hogan. Every yeah. bad idea. Yeah, absolute tripe. And then uh, killer number three is it's them trying too hard. It's it's this desperation to be to be seen as as, as mad and shocking and different and. So your 60-man battle royals, your monster truck matches, your yetis, they're just really, really grafting, uh, standing out. And and it just, it just, you know, there's a reason why nobody had done this shit before. No one's done it since because it's fucking shit. Uh, You got Bischoff like nearly fucking rupturing a spleen, going mad about how huge the next pay-per-view is going to be because no one's ever seen a battle royal this big before. But like, I reckon again, like I said, there's probably a reason that no one's ever seen a battle royal this big before. And you know, it's, it's kind of self-defeating in itself as well because how many of those 60 wrestlers are going to have a legitimate chance of winning? Yeah. Like, we know, we know Mr. JL is not going to be the last man standing. Yeah. You know, we, you know we, can, we can rule out, you know, uh, if 55 of those 60 would even have a legitimate chance, semi-legitimate chance. And, and now we've added the stipulation that the title's on the line. They've pretty much told us who's going to win anyway. So what the fuck's the point of it all? <laughs> Well, now it's time for the main event. Can we figure out which of the shows went over in the Nielsen ratings? Liam, over to you first. Which one, in your opinion, should have won the fight for viewing figures this week? Um, so, again, close. I think it was close from both shows. There's a lot of ridiculousness on both shows. <laughs> um, but if we're just focusing on the wrestling, I think that my, my two favourite matches came from WCW Nitro. With, with Sting and Ric Flair yep. and Eddie and Chris Benoit so I'm going with Nitro because you know we're, we're judging this on obviously entertainment as well I know I've I've, I've pointed out how, how, how entertained I was with Jim Duggan this week but if you look at wrestling yeah WCW Nitro just just a pip it fair enough can't argue with that at all Jim which one did you think won the fight for viewing figures this week for me it's cut and dry you know it's clear. It's Nitro. It's, they've had better wrestling matches, faster pace, comedy value, and unintentional on their part. But and in addition to that, uh, my new favourite wrestling personality the mid nineties, Jimmy Hart, was also <laughs> on the show in a prominent role. So for me, yeah, it's, it's clear. Raw was Raw was pants, and, and this was this was. I thought this was yeah, alright. Yeah, I think Raw's struggling at the moment. They really are. It's becoming yeah. boring, isn't it? It's it's, it's boring. So, it's so dull at the moment. Yeah, it's so dull. Overall, I was bored with Raw this week. This was this was one of the weeks I've really found it a bit of a slog getting through. So, I'm also going to go for for Nitro as my preferred episode. So, clean sweep Nitro. Clean sweep for Nitro, right? This should be obvious. Then, any further ado, let's find out which one in reality in November the sixth, nineteen ninety five, actually did win the fight for viewing figures. Here we go. Raw 
Nitro 2.0. Wow. Monday Night Raw wow. won it this week. That is incredible. I can't believe that. I don't that. think I've yeah. guessed one of these right yet. I don't think I've guessed one. I get it wrong every time. I pick the better show and I lose. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's totally out of kilter what deserved it. That's insane. That, that yeah. doesn't can't make sense. Believe that. It's beyond logic to me. Beyond logic. Maybe at the uh, the aftermath of uh, the Yeti sketch kind of kind of thing. Maybe still, people it's are still trying off. to see. Surely yeah. they're gonna they're gonna answer what happened to Giant because we still haven't had that. Surely we're finally gonna find out what happened and what the hell the Yeti was all about. But but clearly not. And wow, I mean it it has to cost them next week. It has to because otherwise people in the mid nineties were morons. Is the only possible conclusion we can make from all of this bullshit. Well, none of them voted to uh, see the Blue Bloods in action, did they? So maybe, maybe right, maybe they are morons. I still stuck on my craw, and my votes in 2020 apparently haven't affected anything. So I'm mildly furious about it, and I will be writing a letter of complaint. Well, before we go, thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And if you feel like it, please do leave us a review. And don't forget, you can, of course, always follow us on Twitter, at TMNScores. That's at TMNScores. As ever, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, this has been the Monday Night Scores. <laughs>